Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Get started with a great offer from Comcast Business. And for a limited time, ask how to get a $650 prepaid card with a qualifying bundle when you buy online. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go to comcastbusiness.com to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 9-21-21. Call or go online for details. Have you heard about Innovation on the Edge with Microsoft Edge? It's a weekly podcast that explores the cutting edge of internet innovation and pop culture trends. Each week, we'll dig into how people are currently using the web to innovate, notable ways in which it's evolving, what its future might look like, and how we can create the future together. Welcome curious creators, disruptors, and innovators to Innovation on the Edge. Listen and download now at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, this whole week is best of. I'm in Laguna Seca doing a car race. So, uh, well, forget about the rest and relaxation, but uh, I'm going to have some fun, man, and an experience. So uh, we'll be back Tuesday, August 17th, with our first new live show. Until then, enjoy some of the best stuff we've had in the past, plus a little Geico. Do you own, do you rent your home? Well, you do one or the other, and you work hard. Then there's your automotive policy. How about you get your bundle working when you take your automotive and you bundle it up with your homeowner's or your renter's insurance? It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the house. So go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save and how easy it is to save when you go to Geico. That's Geico.com and get your savings on. Hello and welcome to Corolla Classics for Tuesday, August 10th, 2021, the show where we play highlights of the Adam Corolla Show. My name is Chris Loxamana. I'm the executive producer of the Adam Corolla Show. And with me, as always, Corolla archivist, super fan Giovanni. Hey, everybody. And hey to you, Gio. We got highlights for everybody all week long, so let's get into it. This first clip will continue with this episode. We heard a little bit of it yesterday, but now Bobby Lee's going to join Allison Rosen and Brian Bishop back in 2010. Adam Kroll Show 449 Part 2. Check it out. Bobby Lee. Oh, there he is. Good to see you, Bobby. Hi, I'm Allison. Are you still over? What's the name of this dude who just showed up? Oh, Bobby Lee. Bobby That's Lee. Right. Performing this weekend at the Irvine Improv, by the way. You remember me, right, Adam? Sure. Yeah. The little guy. Yeah. We did, uh, you're from Rad TV. Rad TV. Yeah, yeah. seven seasons on Mad. Eight uh, years. Mad, eight. Yeah. Eight seasons yeah. on Mad TV. Oh, man, TV. the ratings. Really good ratings. Eight Mexicans watched it. Yeah. Did you know that? Love. Uh, we, we would get the photos of Mexicans, and they go, yeah, Raul's watching it this week. <laughs> Love the... Uh, who, who'd you do? Michelle Kwan or something? <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did her once. Well, well you that's were when on. I did it. Yeah, yeah, when you did it once, that was like my second sketch ever. Was it? Yeah, and then I, that was the sketch where afterwards, Dick Blasucci, the executive producer, turned to me and goes, we're going to keep you on the show. That was that moment. That's mm-hmm. how I remember it. Because I remember you saying that you thought I was Marcus Cho. That right. was your line. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I, on I, the show, you said it as a, as a joke. You guys filmed, uh, well, we filmed and you guys filmed at Hollywood Center Studios, right? right? Yes. And, and so where we filmed, 
the man show, man show. was just right up right across the alley or something. They're just like next door. Almost. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff there. Like, like a judge show, and sometimes they shoot music videos. Yeah, like the Strokes. It's oh, so it fun. Hot. Yeah. Did you like, get to meet like them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did pills with them. You I'm did sober. Pills? Now. I'm sober now. Are you sober? Yeah, I have eight years. No, seven years almost. How, what March sixth. When did it? Thank you so much. Thank you. When when did it get to be its worst? I mean, when did you go? You know what? I got a problem here. Uh, I at, at the end of my second season of Mad, I was taking thirty Vicodins a day. Mm-hmm. You know what wow. I mean? Just for my pancake. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, I stopped showing up to like table reads and sketches. Mm-hmm. So they gave me intervention. Right, they give you intervention. Yeah, like uh, Dick Busucci, some of the producers on the show, and I think we, there was Artie Lang showed up and said, "Get it together, <laughs> dude." <laughs> yeah, he had, there's a poster of him. You know what I mean? And then um, I threw away all my Vicodin, right? And they wrote me another sketch, a Connie Chung sketch. And did you flush it down the toilet for for drama's sake? No, no, no. I uh, yes, okay. I did actually. Yeah, cliche. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. What am I supposed to do with it? Throw it in the trash. It's gonna, it's gonna be there. Right. You gotta, yeah, you gotta get you're rid, right. of it, get rid of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Put soap on it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So then what happened was, um, I threw away, and I'm like, I felt fine, right? And mm-hmm. so the, a Friday comes, and I'm like, about to shoot the sketch, Connie Chung. They put me in the makeup, and I'm sitting in the makeup chair, and I start shaking, like to the point DTs. where, yeah, I thought I was gonna die. Like I felt my organs. You were doing thirty a day for about how long? A couple years. A couple years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I was drinking too on top of that. Who thought it would be a good idea to get you off but not do it sort of supervised in a, in a, in a facility? I they mean, because you can't get you yeah, off people that. People on television, they don't care, about. they want the product. They, are, they're look, they don't really care about me. Mm-hmm. They care about the product, right? Well, so, so I went, yeah. I showed up at the set. It's just a thing to them, yeah, a sh- money-making pony. And I'm at the set, and um, you know, there's, a, there's an audience, and you know, the lights turn on, and they go, action. And I go, good evening, I'm, and I, I was going to say Connie Chung. As I'm saying it, I pooped. You really? Yeah, in my pants. Wow. And you could see it come down the stocking. Really? Yeah, and, well, then, and well, then they you, said, cut, right? Wait, were you wearing pants or wearing no, a I was skirt? Dressed up as Connie Chung, so I was wearing a skirt. Like, he is taking this in a whole different direction, but well, we I'm like sorry, it. Well, uh, it's real. Yeah. It's so real. Well, wait, keep going. I'm getting horny. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I remember Dick Blasucci, the executive producer, looking at me and going, you're going to do this. I don't care. You're finishing it. So the poor wardrobe oh ladies, the poor wardrobe ladies have to clean it. You know what I mean? Which is like not in their job description, really. You know? Yeah. Just in charge of clothes. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And then um, I remember shaking. I remember taking two, you know, five minute sketch taking hours. I really? did it line by line. And then I remember afterwards. What the they, fuck did the audience do? Oh, they were just groaning. It was not getting, it was eating it. Right. Sure. And so oh. I'm packing up my dressing room. I remember none of the cast said goodbye to me. Right. Mm-hmm. It was the last show of mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. I remember going, I had a little GTI, and I remember crying off the lot like I just fucked up my mm-hmm. whole career. Not that anybody watched the show, but what happened was, and afterwards I you know, started going to meetings and stuff, and one of the producers saw me at a meeting because you know, that producer was sober, and um, I can't name who that is, but, um, and then they got me, gave me a trial run, and then, then I stayed on it for um, six more years, which... So that was yeah. first season. Second season. Second season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Eight seasons. Right? Yeah. Somebody wrote down seven here. Okay. But you literally shit yourself doing Connie Chung yeah. on stage. Yeah. Like it was just like, you know, the kind where like the ring, the calamari. Can I call it the calamari? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is like on fire. Like mm-hmm. it feels like you squirted like habanero sauce inside it. You know what I mean? It was awful. Let down. I'm sorry. Uh, like acid. I'm just <laughs> close to squirting myself. Uh, hola. So, anyway. So, um, 
you're doing, you get on 30. Now, where do you get 30 Vicodin a day? I had several. I can't name the guy's name, but there's a guy, okay, mm-hmm. who he's a... People know him in this sketch comedy community and in the comedy community in general. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. He's not from L.A., mm-hmm. but he's well-liked. He supplies people. Uh-huh. He's a funny guy. He's done, like, soap operas and, you know, television sketches mm-hmm. and stuff. I need mm-hmm. more hints. No, no. He's Hispanic. Uh-huh. And then, that's it. That's it. All right. You don't know him, though. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. And he would supply me. Uh-huh. Pretty much. He was my – oh, my God. That just got me so – <laughs> and it'll give you thirty. And give you thirty uh, a day. Yeah, it, they were. What milligram were they? Um, they were. Like, I think the average milligram. A regular. They actually they were big. I call them big blues. Apparently they weren't for a while. They weren't actual Vicodin. They were something else. They were these. They were like horse pills. And would you take them just throughout the course of the I'd day? I'd wake up, take four, then I would you know smoke a little marijuana, mm-hmm. and then I would drink. But I got sober when I was seventeen originally from meth. Really? Yeah, and I stayed sober from 17 to I got the show. And then when I got on the show, I relapsed. And then I relapsed for two years, and then I got sober again. Well, I never I, really talked about it. It feels weird. I love this. No, yeah. please. Okay. I, you know, doc, I've talked to Dr. Drew about, you know, people will go like, what? 30 Viking in a day? Dr. Drew says some people are on 100 a day. Yeah, Brett Favre was like hundreds, I think. Really? Maybe, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Same, same He's fat a big Mexican guy. dealer? <laughs> The point is this. He loves himself some sketch comedy. That's Barb. That's two things of Barb. He likes, likes improvising. Well, it's, it's improvising. And it's sketch comedy. So, Scrambling. Uh, so you get off the stuff, and then you basically are like essentially detoxing, but on the stage with this. Yeah. But you get sober, uh-huh. and it's been how many years now? Uh, it's been seven years almost. Yeah. And it's seven years of nothing. No nothing, marijuana. Yeah, no, nothing. No uh, alcohol, no nothing. No. I mean, once a year, maybe I'll take a Tylenol PM or something uh-huh. to go to sleep. But no problems there. But no, 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 nothing. All right, because the idea is if you started drinking a glass of red wine with your meal, eventually that would spin off into more. Well, what happened with me is the first thing that would happen was I don't, because I'm not a huge drinker. I mean, I do it because I tried to, like, maintain, you know, because I was, at, toward the end, it would take me more Vicodin before right. I started shaking, you know what I mean? Because it just takes more and more, right? So I would drink to try to curb the shaking, you know, mm-hmm. but I would probably drink a wine and then in a week I'd probably start to take Valium. That's my, mm-hmm. that's my gateway drug, Valium. Mm-hmm. I like to take Valium to go to spas. <laughs> go to spas? Yeah, I go to Korean, I used to go to Korean spas, you know, it's on Valium. 24 hours. Yeah. Nice. On Ardmore and 6th Avenue, right? Yeah. And it's to open 24, and there's all these cots, right? And 24 hours there's naked Korean men laying there, right? Sometimes Pauly Shore. I'll see him there. Right. I'm the one that brought him there years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And you just you take a couple of volumes and just lay on these cots mm-hmm. completely naked. Because Koreans, there's no, Koreans, they don't have gay Koreans, first of all. They don't have them? They don't have them, no. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I would just pass out for like 12 hours and then wake up like, you know, you wake up like, well, what's going on? Where am I? You know? Sure. That kind of thing, yeah. See, oh, uh, you're, 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 the, what? <laughs> By the way, how do they make money in this business? Where a bunch of guys just uh, pop a few volume, you, volume, and come in and lay down on a no, I'm the only one. That, the Koreans don't do that. I'm oh, the I one see. that yeah, I'm the I only see. one doing that. They sleep and they take a nap for like an hour, and they'll get up and go about their day. Me, I'm one of those guys that just will sleep for twelve hours completely naked. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You can look at my you know, mm-hmm. body. I'm shaped like a scallop. Where are you? What's what's <laughs> your heritage? I'm Korean. Oh, okay. So you can judge. <laughs> so he's not yeah, gay. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I'm not gay at all. Uh, and and uh, so now, what's life like for you doing uh, doing stand up? It's great. I mean, it's like, you know what it is. It's like life skills. You know, you need life skills. And um, I tried. To, 
I know it sounds gay and like you know um, very um, hippie-ish you know but I need to live in the moment I need to like think positively <laughs> oh, that's Dude. good you know what I mean cause it's like if I don't do that then you know, I, you know as a kid you know well, I, this is something that people know about me but when I was younger I lived in Minnesota and at back then in the 70s there were no I'm 39 mm-hmm. okay and um, in the 70s, there were really no Asians there. And something brutal happened. And what happened was, and I, I do it in my act, right? But this guy with Down syndrome, right, molested me. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, he had Down syndrome. Like, you know. Boy. Hi. I, I know. It's like. Uh, it's, I'm not I'm not tore up about it. So but it's, I don't, like, it's like saying some guy with one leg ran me down <laughs> and tackled me on the football field. It's tough to be molested by a guy with Down syndrome, yeah, isn't it? Well, it's if you feel stupid because, you know. When you're molesting somebody, you have to manipulate. Them. You got to offer candy or something. Right. Yeah. But this guy just went, mm, and I did it. You know what I mean? Which is how old was he at the time? I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> he how was like, old? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I was like eight or nine, so and he was he in, in the mid twenties, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I, so you I don't had miss to him. become a comedian. I don't know. It's you know what thing it is? He no, did molest you. No. You'd be an engineer for Boeing, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> and or what kind of life would that be? Yeah. 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 Um, no, I don't think, you know, I've been thinking about it. Not, I don't think about it every day, but um, the thing is, is that it's not the molesting, right? It's the thing that he lured the kids with candy. And I think it's a part of my addiction, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Where it's like, I, I'm willing to do anything I can to get the candy or uh-huh. a drug, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was just like a part of like, I don't care about that because it's a physical thing. And he didn't, you know... Do right. anything that crazy, you know what I mean? He didn't violate you. You were already crazy. I didn't suck on uh, whatever. Can Your I... behind is still intact? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, like, yeah, it's very tight. You very know tight. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. My poop looks like Angel or Pasta. It's like so wow. tight. Yeah. Except when you're shitting calamari, your <laughs> dress is kind of chunk. Yeah. yeah. But now, yeah, yeah. a lot of range. I feel like your ass has a lot of range. <laughs> it does. So he does, Versatile. you know, you know, it's like good news and bad news with the molestation by the guy with the Down syndrome. You know, you're not going to get, you know, you're not gonna get the full working over that you'd get from a guy with sort of able body and able fleet, fleet of thought. You know what I mean? I think that I, there's a sense of, as even as a kid, you felt sorry for him. Uh-huh. Know? Like yeah. I was doing some sort of service work or something. For sure. Like take some of this Asian yeah, ass. Yeah, you, you were know like, I mean? yeah, like I'm soft. You know, you know what I mean? A lateral move from the you know Meals on Wheels folks <laughs> to come by right. the house. Like you don't want to distrust him off the bat, even if you were sensing something off about yeah, him. Because yeah, yeah. then he'd be like, oh, maybe maybe I'm not yeah. giving him a fair shake. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I just I, I I have no resentment or you know. But then what about? I can't watch the Special Olympics. What what about? <laughs> I feel like the finish line's my penis or something. That's why I, I can't watch it. <laughs> what about? As a you know, uh, as a Korean, okay. uh, you know, culturally, <laughs> you guys are like like here's you what I'm guys. saying. You guys, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not Jewish, but the Jews are very. <laughs> the Jews are like into like, hey, get some therapy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, hit hit the therapist. I got a good therapist. Talk to my therapist. And I find the Asian cultures not so much into. You no, got to get some fu- therapy. It's funny that you say that because when I was 16. I went to the McDonald's Center in La Jolla. I was a rehab for my crystal meth use. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in group therapy, right? And with mm-hmm. the family. It was a family group therapy session. Mm-hmm. And my parents were old school Koreans. I mean, my dad, uh, he uh, talk like this, right? Mm-hmm. That's him. And so I remember saying that I was molested by a guy with Down syndrome. And then you, f- f- you heard a little silent pause. And then my dad went like this. <laughs> 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 like he laughed. Really? Well, oh, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like it. It made him laugh because was he uncomfortable? Was that uncomfortable? No, it laugh? was like it was actually kind of funny to him. I thought, like, really, like how could you let him do that to you? You know right. what I mean? Like, 
You know what I mean? It's like you were a sucker. I I was fine with it. Really? Yeah, because it's like, even as a, you know, it's weird. (laughs) You're fine with it because of the fact Mm -hmm. that you know he's from a different place. Uh And even if that. Wait, your dad or the Down syndrome guy? Dad. Yeah, the dad. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah, yeah. My dad's from a mythical land, you know what I mean? You're right. far away from here. And they just do the even if that happened to my dad, he would never he would never even admit it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Koreans are crazy Thank tough you. people. Yeah, tough. They're scary, tough, <laughs> mean, resilient We're not mean. people. Well, let me just say this. Mm-hmm. All I know about the, I, you know, uh, and by the way, yeah. I'm one of these guys. I don't need to meet everyone. I meet one of you. Pow. <laughs> Snap judgment. Right. And that's all I need. But I was around here at Los Angeles during the riots in, uh, uh, you know, 91, 92, whenever uh, it was going. And it was, it was hairy. People were getting pulled out of their cars by, like, marauding bands of brothers and mashed into the ground with cinder blocks and stuff. And every time you'd pull up at a stoplight and two cars would pull up behind you and two cars to oh, your yeah, right yeah. and left, you'd be freaked right, out that you're yeah. going to get yanked out of the car and they were going to go Reginald Denny on your ass. Right. And everyone said, fuck it, we're heading for the hills. And they essentially closed the town down while the Schwartz was, Schwartzes just ran wild and lit fires and stole <laughs> shit, tennis shoes and said, and everyone just went, fuck it, I'm going. And they said, there's a curfew. Everyone go to your house, lock your door, stay in. When the street lights come on, you don't leave the house. And the Koreans said, fuck that. We're going yeah. to the roof with a hunting rifle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they did not flee their businesses and their liquor stores and their whatever markets and whatever they had going in South Central and some of the dicier parts of town. They go, I'm going to the roof. I got a 30 out six and I'm going to be shooting. And but they, but yes. not out of they want to defend what they worked for. I'm saying if that were uh, a cracker, yeah, a Jew, sure, maybe even a Mexican, yeah. domesticated, of course, yeah, yeah, they would have headed <laughs> right for the fucking hills, yeah. And the Koreans said, "I'm going to the roof." Well, we headed for the hills, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I thought that's a tough group there. It's a tough group, but that's but that you just uh, touched on something that I had a resentment with growing up, which is is that Koreans are really into like trophies and material things like for instance um like you know i was never talked about growing up because i got all c's oh you know really I mean? so like sure. at family functions my dad you know they would ask my dad like how's bobby uh, let's talk about you know what i mean like he would never talk about me you know because i was either in rehab he molested he by retarded by the guy <laughs> no he's not so bright you know <laughs> but um but the thing is is that but i was always like just generally a good person you know what i mean i mean i'm not saying that i mean i have my flaws and stuff like that but you know i was always i try to help people whatever and you know remember cho sung wee hmm? you know who Chung so- cho sung wee is the guy <gasps> that sh- yeah virginia tech does he work here no he shut oh. up virginia tech oh Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, know. that Cho Sung Wee. Uh, no, listen, I've gone on many a rant about that but asshole. I, here's, here's the thing about him, which mm. made me mad. I think it's his parents' fault. I've, that's my rant. Okay, because I'll tell you why. I'll listen. Because Koreans, right, care if their kids go to college, right? Right. Straight A's, you know what I mean? And this kid was talking to imaginary people growing up, right? He never really got a lot of counseling or therapy, you know? And the thing is, is that the p- Korean parents are like... You know, he's going to college, he's getting good grades, he's fine, right? And what I'm saying is is that, no, he's not fine, you know what I mean? And so when that sh- shit happened, you could not, you can't find an interview with the parents. They fled to Korea. Smart. It is smart, No, but they, they, I, I, I want them to answer some questions. I'm fucking pissed, and I'm more... At me? A little bit. <laughs> I mean, you are, it was part your fault, because you're Korean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 
Well, I get blamed for slavery, and I wasn't here. So, you know what I mean? You can take your lumps and, for and, being And the Korean. last thing, just want to say one last thing before I get, forget, is what makes me more, more mad is that Korea wrote a letter to the United States apologizing for that dimwit. Really? Imagine if Africa wrote letters for all the Africans that did bad in the United States. They'd run out of trees. Yeah. Not that they have any, yeah, but they yeah, have I know any what you're saying. Because they wrote all the letters. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my point is is that the whole thing just drove me crazy, and I think that parents have a lot of answers. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what made me insane, and uh, Brian, uh, back me up. This isn't revisionist history. I was screaming about this when I was on the radio when this happened in, I don't know, 08 or whenever it happened. Ever since. And ever since, <laughs> which is... All the news outlets, they all went out there and they were like, oh, the victims and who is this guy? And then at a certain point when the family would come up, some asswipe would go, you know, they're victims, too. And I was like, fuck that. Somebody should be talking about the fact that they had a crazy kid in their midst and a guy who displayed. And they wanted to know what was going on with the school counselor. What the fuck is a school counselor supposed to do? They're in charge of 300 students and they can't pull aside every kid who listens to Depeche Mode and a black <laughs> duster. And they can't even help one. They can't help one fucking kid. It's not... No. I kept screaming, not about the family, yeah. but what about the media? Why wasn't the media going, what was the family doing? They're responsible for this. It is their kid. I agree. And it's when your dog fucking, when you leave the gate open and your dog runs out and mauls some four-year-old or some toddler, that's your fucking fault. It's your dog. You created it. Nature or nurture. This kid... I'm sure was drawing pentagrams in his mashed potatoes in Thanksgiving of O2. Right. Where were you? And by the way, yes, I know culturally you guys don't like, there's some shame here and you guys don't want to get counseling. Maybe it's time to broach this subject right now. None of the fucking media said a fucking word about it and it pissed me off to no end. And by the way, calling them victims is bullshit. They created a monster. Yeah, they did. And I, you know, and I love. The, I mean, I I love the culture. I really do. Ultimately, love the culture. I talk about it. In my they're delight. There's no they're doubt delightful, about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not on roofs yeah, 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 shooting yeah. at black people that, or I, on no, campus shooting up. I, I defend them or ignoring their the kids' thing, Adam. homicidal neuroses. They are delightful. I, I mean, if I'm going to build a business and if someone's going to loot, you know what I mean? You know, I, I love black people. But I just want to say one thing. You know what I mean? No, they're I, awesome looters. I, I, I mean, I'm right. You're right. When, when black because I, I, you know, I'm a comic. So black comics will come, but especially when I first moved to LA, they'd be like, "Yeah, man, why do you guys say, you know, you touch, you buy, and no browsing in your store?" It's because of the fact that you guys sometimes steal. What? You know what I mean? And you know what, what? I mean? Yeah, why do you guys have to be suspicious of us? Because sometimes you shoot. You know what I mean? The guy behind the counter. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no thing- racial bigotry here. Here's I, I, the here's the problem. Here, yeah. here. Let me let me explain the problem. And yeah. uh, and this is this is where I take a turn for the racist. So I hope you're sitting down. This is where this is where it happens. We as a sort of indigenous honkies here have we we think the same sort of things, uh-huh. but we've had it beaten out of us. Like, uh-huh. come on, don't think that way. Don't do that. Whatever. When you take a culture and you bring them from another land and you drop them here <laughs> and you put them in a cab. And they see the prison is filled with black guys, yeah. and then they see the black guy who's trying to hail them in a bad neighborhood, and they go, fuck it, I'm going to keep driving. Right, yeah. Because and they're not racist, they're just doing a math for right or for wrong. It's almost, in a sense, sad, and here's the racist part, it's a sort of, they are assessing it. The same way 
that if I went to Korea yeah. and somebody said, hey, there's those Koreans and then there's these other Koreans and the prison is filled with these kind of Koreans, then I'd be freaked out if I was driving a cab about picking up those yeah, kind yeah. of Koreans. Right. And it's not right. And everyone knows it's not right. But you know what? It's there. It was there. Yeah. And there's a reason why that guy says, you know, you don't touch or you buy or keep an eye on or there's, whatever. It was created. But in many ways, though, just to, to defend black people, is, is that Koreans do go to underprivileged neighborhoods, you know what I mean, to the, open these stores. Yes. You know I mean? Because they know that that's, they'll get a lot of, you know I mean, business because they're poor and they, you know what I mean? They like Real to, estate's cheap. And, and they like to drink. You sure, know what I mean? sure. Everyone likes to drink. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, listen. It, it, Don't look, it, why are you looking at me like that? It, it's like, listen, <laughs> they like to drink. We like to shoot black people. You got a brand new roller skate. I got a set of keys. It's it's an awesome it's an awesome <laughs> right. match. It's a match made in but heaven. But actually, over the years, I think it's been t- toned down. I don't hear about it anymore. That the Koreans and the blacks in Los Angeles used to do a little more battle than they do. Yeah. And uh, somehow, I think Magic Johnson has smoothed things and, uh, I over. think Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe it was Bill Cosby. David Allen Greer, Bill Cosby, and the Wu-Tang Clan (laughs) together smooth things things over. But yes, I agree with you. The guy who shot up uh, everyone on on the campus of Virginia Tech, his parents need to be called out, and the news agencies that never asked why the parents didn't seek counseling for this very sick individual. You can't Google it. You can't Google what they look like. When that happened, I wanted to Google, I'm going to say Google again, Google, right, <laughs> what the p- parents look like because I wanted to get a visual, you know what I mean, a sense, you know what I mean, and you can't find anything. It's just like... Bobby, this is going to sound very racist I, and stereotypical, yeah. oh, but... God. Go ahead. Just go ahead and find a mirror. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, you come close enough. Pretty close. Yes, I mean, I'm not saying yeah, doppelganger, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm saying get, get back, That's get in the sucks. Connie Chung outfit, <laughs> take a picture. Yeah. And then put a suit and tie on. I'm so tired of, dri- of walking down the street and people driving by and going, heroes. <laughs> it's like, no. You know what I mean? At Entourage. Like, I'm that gay guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it drives me. Hangover. That's a new one. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, Why'd you show no. your penis? Oh, Ken Jones. Yeah, Ken Jones. Yeah. Why'd you show your penis? Oh. I go, Ken's a friend of mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? All, Mousy Oki, they're all friends of mine, Rex Lee. Sure. But I, we don't look alike. No. I mean, be honest. Mm. No, a little bit? No, no, no you don't. Oh, he looks like Lloyd from But how's Hangover 2 going? <laughs> Put it up. <laughs> you did a little. Uh, not a little. Well, no. If Lloyd from the Entourage, right. if Lloyd from Entourage Rex, said, yeah. said, you know what? If Rex said, uh, you know, we're on a hiatus, <laughs> I'm going to grow a mustache, <laughs> grow, you know, let myself grow a little bit, yeah. grow out my hair a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Look like, at that. Because, see, here's the whole thing. Like, Brad Pitt looks like Brad Pitt, but then sometimes he has the full biker beard and the long hair. There's, like, a couple different versions of, face of, of Brad Pitt. Yeah, that, that weird thing. And he looks like Brad Pitt still, right? Yeah, but if Lloyd from Entourage... <laughs> all right, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. So That's who are we looking at? The parents of the guy who shot up everyone at Virginia Tech? Or who are these Koreans? That's Should Margaret we... Cho and the girl from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> you got to understand. We're ugly Americans. No, it's Bobby now, and Bobby has Connie Chung. Right, yeah. right. First of all, they both look way older than me. Yeah, you do not look like the doctor. Yeah. But, uh... Eh. They're both kind of good looking, though. Let's just say, if yeah. he needed a stunt double for a driving scene in Entourage, <laughs> I would not cry foul. That's why I'm growing this mustache. It's taking me nine years. I don't care, man. I'm going, oh, there, see, look at that. No. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, mean no I way. love the guy. He's a nice guy. You know He's what a mean? good but, man. Yeah, but it's like, both of them, great guys. 
But I'm not. No, I wouldn't say anything. Or you know what the worst was when? But you know what it is. Well, Let me say yeah, this. Tell me. It's not like they pass by random Koreans and yell this. They recognize you yeah. as somebody. Like, people will call me Jimmy Kimmel a lot. I don't mm. look like Jimmy, but they sort of recognize me. They recognize you. Like, there's something, there's that part of the brain that uh-huh. doesn't want to sort out things too much. But sir goes, oh, I've seen that guy on TV. And then they just go to entourage. Sort of like when you call my parents, said Nancy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you think it's yeah. the celebrity they're reacting to. Not you're right. Asian. Otherwise, you'd have to scream that at every Korean guy who was walking down Maybe Venice Boulevard. But no, I do. I've seen. I've. I have a lot of Korean people that come to my shows and go, dude, at work, people th- sometimes think, um, you know, I'm you, you know. And then you're like, wow, you, my, you that, that I would work at um, uh, Enterprise Rental, right? You know what I mean? That's no. insane. No, you're definitely an Alamo man. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I misunderstood. Did I insult you? No, you didn't insult okay. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now. I would not yell anything. But, but by the way, if I passed by a guy I thought looked like Robert Downey Jr., I wouldn't scream out of the that's window at my car. That's what I'm saying is, is that, like, I've seen guys that I know, right, that, you know, are you know in movies or whatever, right? And I won't even do it until I'm 100% sure, you know, like at a restaurant. Sure. Like, hey, or whatever. You know right. I, mean? I will wait. You I'm know? telling you what happens is I've had people come up to me and go, Dude, I know you. And then the friend goes, yeah, it's a dude from the mansion. And the, the guy goes, quiet. Did you play pop order football in the valley? And the guy goes, dude, it's a guy from the mansion. Hold on. What high school did you go to? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. people have this, I recognize you, yeah. but I don't know where. And then they just do this weird little thing where they have a bad computer and it just matches up with the last Asian right. dude they saw on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever get this? How do I know you? Yeah. And they get, that's all they say? Yeah. Like, and then you're, you, you're in this weird the game. Answer. Yeah. You're in this weird game. Well, maybe. And right. then it's something else. You know what I mean? No, right. I thought I saw you at Kinko's. Yeah, like when I yeah. go, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. I, I have a horrible thing to admit. You know when we were playing Know Your Lackey and we were talking about the Filipino yeah. guy? What's his and nose? I was like, oh, yeah. he's walking out of here right now. No. Oh, he's drinking water. I was looking at... <laughs> Bobby. Oh, wow. And that, yeah. wow. I know. Wow. I, that really hurts, though. Yeah. See, I, it doesn't, yeah. I know. They it doesn't like, even, that doesn't even, it doesn't even compute in my head. But that's Koreans, why I've been sitting here feeling weird and uncomfortable this who, entire time. And I just, I need to get it off my chest. Bobby, can you give me the Asian pecking order? Like, first off, I okay, love, well, I love, like, I have a Guatemalan nanny. Yeah. And I always say to her, like, I'll go, like, who are your Polacks? Right, right, and right. And right. she'll be like, mm, El Salvadorians. I can't eat like, them. they all have, everyone has that group. Top dog. Someone yeah, I want to know that. No, I want to know the Asia. I'll no, put, can I say oh, can can I, I put, I'll, I'll, Okay, before we get into this, mm. I got in so much trouble playing the same exact game. Really? I got in so much trouble, so I have to tread water here. Trouble with because if I because because the thing is, is if I say him. if I say <laughs> Korean, you're, you're doing racist, right? Well, I mean, here's what I'm saying. Not your opinion. Okay, my, not my opinion. I'm removing your opinion. Thank you so much. This is not my opinion. Yeah, it's this fact. is not your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is in a, like, if you said to your average uh, guy who lived in the United States, right. look, uh, if you're going to fly an experimental aircraft, would you rather be built in Germany or Mexico? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably Germany. Pretty pretty easy yeah, answer yeah, yeah, on yeah, that yeah. one. If so we're throwing a party afterward to celebrate the yeah, safe yeah. landing... <laughs> <laughs> then we'll get the Mexicans involved. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. point is, is you know, 
In that vein, not okay. your opinion, but not most opinion. folks just walking Generally, around the this street. Isn't the thing. Yeah, okay. well, give me the Japanese order. is probably the number one. They're number one in okay. terms of technology and in terms of like, I mean, if you Wikipedia like what they've invented, you know what I mean? It, uh-huh. I know I've actually done that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? The, um, and then I'd say the second probably the Chinese because of the fact that mm-hmm. America o- o- owes them a lot of money, right? Sure. And because of all the you know products and things, we have a, we're, we're a gigantic trade agreement with them. Mm-hmm. And I think my, primarily because we owe them money. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the third one, I'm going to say Koreans. Oh, well, of course you'd say Koreans. No, but I'll tell you why. <laughs> what I didn't if say I Koreans number that one. Filipino kid is naming. I can't remember in here. Huh? Oh, what would he god, say? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Who's I was your boy? <laughs> <laughs> The, yeah, the, the, here's the here's the problem with this. Okay, it's mm-hmm. I think it's geography too. It mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the actual race of the thing. It's just like, I mean, I think that uh, countries or pe- a group of people that have grown up near snow, yeah, where it snows, mm. they have to develop certain technologies to survive. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Right. That's why when you see certain Asian cultures that are down more south, mm-hmm. they don't have, really have a car. Uh-huh. Like the Vietnamese, they don't have a. I mean, Wherever you, it's too hot, like Haiti, yeah. Places so like I mean, that, I, I don't, don't think it's fair. I think it's a geographical. You got to go to a place where you go. Look, the elements outside are going to kill us, and we got to come up with something called insulation. Yeah, yeah, or something. It has a, a lot to do with heater. that. So it's like you know, I you know, any culture where you can basically walk around in your underpants twelve months out of the year and You're be not fine. Produce anything. Yeah, have another, have another rum based drink and relax. Yeah, because if you live right. in if you like your like back hundreds of years ago when you lived in Hawaii. Yeah, you'll you'll make a tiki. You know what I mean. You'll make mm. a little dress with you know. I like to find the, the equator. I'd like to find the countries that are in proximity to the equator and see what's go- see all the innovations that have come out of those <laughs> countries. You know what I mean? I like to check I it th- out. I don't see. I don't think you'd see a lot. Bobby's car point's a great point. I'm thinking now, like where the, like the the car the biggest car manufacturing countries mm-hmm. and their distance from the equator versus. Mm-hmm. The least of the car producing countries in their distance proximity to the equator. Yeah, I mean, you look, you look at Germany. You know, it snows mm-hmm. there, so they're you know, I mean, they're really into like you know making things. You know, what I mean, like oh yeah, watches and yeah, they got a lot of downtime. Yeah, they have, and um, and you look at like Brazil, and there's not sure. a lot of things that they invent there. This plastic surgery. Well, what about the banana hammock? <laughs> I oh, call yeah. that a break. And those thongs. <laughs> oh, those delicious thongs. All right. I love those. All right. Well, here's interesting. Mm. Maybe Bobby can corroborate this. Uh-huh. My neurologist is married to an Asian lady. He's a white guy, and he tells me, he says, Asians love the McRib. Oh, well, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, and that, blew my, that blew my mind. That yeah, blew yeah. My, that absolutely blew my mind. Uh, yeah. How would they pronounce that? McRib. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you found that to be true in your experience? No, well, I mean, no. Um, what would your dad meat. say if he was ordering the McRib? <laughs> I'll have a one McRib. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe shamrock shake? And a shamrock shake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's just... Let's go toss on a quarter pounder with cheese, son, too. Uh, one quarter pounder with a cheese. <laughs> and there's always a, uh, an extra, you know what I mean? So what about funny. BLT? BLT. Ah, oh, that's the same. <laughs> yes, that's the same. Yeah, yes, that's the same. That was exciting yeah, all. right, so what about the Asians? They love meat? Hey, hey. Yeah, a- Asians love meat. I was in Korea. I actually, I just got back from Korea where I shot a music video. With it. You Same could, here. You did? No. In Korea? <laughs> I, know, I did not. This Asian female pop group called the Wonder Girls, like they are fans or whatever, so they go, mm-hmm. love like him out here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they flew me out there. I show up at the set. I kid you not, no one. First of all, there's no such thing as SAG there. Mm-hmm. They work 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. right? I worked 19 hours without a meal mm. or water. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Kids, wait you know, a minute, four Co- in the morning, Korean barbecue. Oh, delicious! Yeah, nothing better. Sorry, Donnie, what were That's you about to about? I'm, I'm curious. Does, does Bobby think that Eskimos are the smartest uh, race on the planet? Yeah, tell that's, us now that's that. a little different. That's a little. That's different because I think there's not enough. It's too cold. Too far. It's yeah. too cold, oh. and there's not enough living. Oh, there's you know like what I mean? a cold, okay. sweet spot. Two dudes. You know what I mean? In an ice hut, right? It's gonna be difficult. Let's let's, let's develop, Cap- um, you know, you know, iPod or you know what I mean. The Listen, of Capricorn's the sweet spot. I'm three quarters Eskimos. I take great offense <laughs> to what you guys are saying about my culture. All I right. could be wrong about that geography thing, though. I just I know I I'm I'm sort of with you. Too close to the equator. And look, it's the same way with colleges. You take colleges like you know Arizona State. There's going to be a party going on, and you need like a 45 on your SATs to get in there. Just <laughs> any place at San Diego State, any place that's close yeah. to an ocean or close to the sun, right. where there's hot chicks rolling around, the the IQ is going to go down. You go to one of those places where it's snowed in and dark, you know, 19 hours out of the day. You have a bunch of fat chicks who study hard. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll take a little uh, extendo break. I want to uh, thank uh, Bobby Lee for coming in here. I could sit around and listen to you doing your dad uh, all goddamn day long, (laughs) by the way. Same. Life lock. Summer travel is a great way to disconnect, but sometimes you need to connect to the public Wi-Fi to check your email or post photos to social media. Cyber criminals can spy on unsecured public Wi-Fi networks and see your browsing history. Emails, even passwords. Every day, we put our info at risk on the Internet. In an instant, cyber criminals could steal what's yours and harm your finances and your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert and access to a dedicated restoration specialist if you become a victim. It's LifeLock, right, Dawson? Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by using promo code ADAM. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com and use promo code ADAM for 25% off. And that was the very funny Bobby Lee hanging out on the Adam Corolla Show back in 2010. I'm really excited for this next clip. We just heard some of Larry Miller yesterday, but Rob Schneider was also on this episode. And this was my first interaction with Rob Schneider, and I was always a big Rob Schneider fan. Of course, we have that that Filipino pride. And so it was really cool that he actually came in the studio. Now he comes in all the time, and we, we love Rob. So this is from December of 2010. A pre-Arizona Rob Schneider, ACS 461 Part 2. Rob, uh, have a seat, pull up a microphone, and uh, take off a, a suede vest and uh, pull up a mic, Surely. grab a free hat, and pull on up. a free hat. What's going on, Rob? You know, I just uh, flew uh, from Boston Logan Airport, and I felt molested. And, I, you know, and I, you know I, I'm not a – I know you got to do something at the, uh, the airport, and I, I get the real basics. I'm even getting used to the whole idea of a baggage fee, you know? Right. You want to check a bag, you know, you got to pay the bag. So you want to you want to fly somewhere and you want to change clothes when you get there? Another 50 bucks asshole. Yeah. You know, I'm even getting used to that whole thing. 
It is insane that you're so sort of whipped by it now, and you must have this happen where you go out on the road, you're doing your comedy, you're doing your shows, mm-hmm. just like we do, and some fan will give you a bottle of wine or something and say, yeah. this is, this is, we have our own vineyard, and we bottle it ourselves, and we know yeah. you love Pinot Noir, and I'm like, throw it in the garbage, sweetie, because <laughs> yeah. I will have yeah. to throw it in the, I can't get it home, I, unless I go to the UPS store on the way to there, it's not going to happen, but the, I know, and you it's have so to- sad. Sad. Or I can have it explode in my suitcase and ruin all my clothes. Right. <laughs> you know, but it's it is sad. But what it is, I'm more sad that Americans are putting up with this crap. I guess some statistic, I'm sure it's skewed, but like 80 percent of Americans are okay with this image resonance. Um, these new machines, which are a terahertz electromagnetic radiation, and the uh, early reports on it because they haven't been out so long. You know, you know what? No, none of these things have, they never have to do safety and uh, beforehand. Right. You know, they said the government says it's fine. Well, the government says it's fine. You know, to put like you know mercury in your in your in your fucking skull and you know. The, well, they say filling, so. it's always one of these things where you find out something even sadder along the way. Where they go, well, sure, you do get some radiation from the device, but no more than you get on a commercial but flight. They and I say go, that, wait, yeah. how much radiation have I been getting on the airplane? No, oh, but this is it's new not, to me. It's different. That's such a lie. It's just when they say thing, you know, you get more to radiation hanging outside. No, there's a difference between uh, uh, you know a reflective kind of radiation that's natural from the sun, which is you know your body knows how to handle, and a machine shooting it through your body and having it bounce back. Through through your body again, uh, causing DNA replication damage, and that's what the fuck is happening. And I can't believe people more and more people aren't opting out. And if you do opt out, like I did at Logan yesterday, some guy like literally just like, "Hey, you can touch anything. You just can't touch my dick. That's it. Okay, anything. I mean, I want to. I just want to fly somewhere. I don't have my balls X-rayed or fondled. It just, I know. It's just my thing is you can only touch my cock. See, I <laughs> think yeah. we'd be good traveling together because well. you'd be the one. I, my things, I only cock handling. You know, and then they want to do the back of your hand with the sense areas and I go that's not going to make me come come on you know <laughs> where's the lube yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's the question then now most people are more worried about vanity than they are about radiation which probably sickens you yeah, that sickens me. Everyone talks about them seeing the genitalia or seeing the outline of the breast or the genitalia whatever it is more so that the radiation is a sort of that's a back burner problem compared to the vanity. Compared to like somebody wanted to see this and, and jack off to it later. Yeah. But, you know, I've, I worry about the guys. You know, the safety, first of all, it's unconstitutional. It's, you know, the, our Fourth Amendment is illegal, you know, unwarranted search and seizure. I think this fits right up there. They have to have a reason to do that, you know. But, you know, so there is a real um, uh, issue besides vanity. But also it's like it's a safety issue. And I think for me it's like, you know, uh, I, I'm worried about the safety of the guys having to watch that stuff all day. You see these beasts going through the airport all the right. time. It's like, you know, ah, what is that? It's is a Sasquatch. I don't know what it is, but send it through. I don't care anymore. You know. Well, what? But then, what is the plan? I mean, if Rob Schneider runs the TSA. How does this work? Well, if you look up the word security, uh, the word security means secure is to isolate mm-hmm. and to fortify the eye. All right. Now, well, as soon as you isolate yourself, you become aware that you are alone and you become more afraid and therefore you need more security. So it's a never ending security thing. And so it's just, it's, it's too much. At a certain point, you just have to stop it. And everything's after the fact. Oh, well, they got bombs and shoes. Okay. No more shoes. Okay. They got bombs and, and, and liquids. No more liquids. They get bombs and underwear. No more underwear. It's never like, a, never, nobody ever thinks, you know what? Uh, they could put it in uh, sunglasses. No more sunglasses, you know? So I think at a certain point, 
you know it's a risk. Because what's going to happen? Let's say, what if a guy sticks a plastic explosives up his ass, right. takes it out of the plane, blows the plane? What are you, you going to do? Do a CAT scan for everybody? There is no end in sight to what the, and, and how much more they can bankrupt our economy with this stupid security. And it's just, after a while, you know, there is, we live in an impermanent world and right. that full of change. And that's just, you have to accept that that is your world. There is nothing permanent about us. I find it depressing. Like when, whenever we've been uh, traveling, we're in Fresno, we're in Sacramento, Vegas, and and it happens all the time where somebody says, "We just did this. We 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 went." I say, "We, me and Donnie and Mike August went out and we do our little stand up thing." So, um, very we, good show, by the way. We uh, thanks. See my show? No, <laughs> very good. I, come on, you're all over the YouTube. Come on. The we went, illegally people illegally video. Oh, they do. It. Jesus Christ, never seen it. The point is this: at a certain point, we're in Sacramento, and Mike says you want to fly from Sacramento to Fresno, or you want to drive. It's about a two and a half, three hour drive, and the flight's only about forty five minutes. And I say, let's drive. I don't want to go through another fucking airport. Yeah, me it, too. It's soul robbing. Well, let me tell you something else about that. You're right, because like I don't want to be one of these elitist. Guys like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio flying one of his hot Israeli bitches from one side of the globe to the other side of the globe and, you know, warming up the planet. And just that's irresponsible. I don't care how rich you are. Sure. Out of LeBron James, you shouldn't be allowed. I don't care if you're an amazing ad. You shouldn't be allowed to have, you know, 200 rooms in a house and heating up. It's just it's a, it's irresponsible. And it's, I think it's disrespectful. And I, and I don't want to be uh, flying private planes. But I got to tell you. After yesterday, I'm going to fly a private plane. I'm not taking it anymore. I'm just it. I just I'm be with I you. tried not to, and I'm just not going to do it anymore. And I'm sorry if I'm, that's an elitist asshole thing to do, but I just I'm not going to put myself through that anymore. Well, how do you feel? I, I mean, and maybe you feel the same way I feel, which is, and I get in these arguments all the time with my wife, which is to say. I don't care about the bills. I have enough money to cover the bills. Yeah. And I am not a, an alarmist. I don't think the ozone is going to melt in my lifetime. I want the switch shut off in the room that has the lights in it when no one is in there. Yeah, just the cosmically. Just the I basics, don't want yeah. I, it's just a basic thing, which yeah, is why are we heating ninety nine rooms and I'm watching Sports Center in one of them? Why is the I know, it's just what it is it's a culture of waste. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just it's, it, it, and when, that has to that has to change. I mean, because you know what's amazing to me is on the Bill Maher show is people are saying that no one's going to make a difference and no one's going to try to make a change. Well, you have to have leadership, but you can't have leadership in this country when as soon as they get elected, the next day they got to worry about the two years later the midterm elections and then then getting reelected. And so there's no one who's really willing to make a. Uh, 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 unpopular decisions that are that are benefit the people. The last chance we had a, t- a chance for that was after 9-11. If President Bush would have come out, instead of saying, hey, uh, what, what do you tell the American people to do? Uh, uh, they should go shopping. Right. Know? Tell them to go shopping, go buy things, go back, go, go buy, you know. If he would have said, find out what that old lady is doing down the street. See if she's okay. See right. what you're doing. You know, the last real honest president, uh, whoever's the last honest thing any American president ever said to the people was the so-called malaise speech under Jimmy Carter. And he never mm-hmm. used the word malaise. But basically he got some advice, some bad advice, about talking about uh, people who seem kind of empty. Okay, remember this is the mid seventies. Sure, there was a kind of materialistic kind of uh, feeling. It was post. People were sick of Vietnam. Blah blah blah. And um, they were depressed. As a they nation. were depressed. And he said, "Well, you know what? You you have to look for something besides materialistic gain, and not just trying to better yourself. It's to look look inward and blah blah blah." And that ruined him. It did because. And then you had the materialistic. What America didn't want to hear that. That's the fact, you know. And uh, when Reagan came in in nineteen eighty, you know the, how he won was he said. <laughs> 
his favorite thing was uh, we went from uh, John Kennedy in you know in '61 saying you know ask not what your country can do but what you can do for your country to Ronald Reagan saying uh, are you better off than you were four years ago. Right? Are you? Are you better off than you? So it became a very selfish kind of way to go. And 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 if if we continue that, it's a very isolated. And it goes right back to the I, I, the idea of security. There is no security. We live in an impermanent world, and we, there is all, only constant change. And you have to just get over it. So what would I do? I get rid of all security. Mm-hmm. And then here's what you do in Israel. Mm-hmm. You know who's the first line of defense in Israel? The fucking public. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is that? What is that package over there? Who's this asshole? Let me see that guy take that thing off his head. And it's that kind of shit. And that's what we should do. Believe me. Wow. No one would like sleep that. or read on a plane if there was no security. And believe me, you'd want to say, okay, who's that guy? Whatever. That's the first line of defense. The Israelis, I was in Israel uh, a year and a half ago. Sure. And they were just laughing Shooting at us. Shooting the Zohan. Yeah, yeah. They were just laughing at us. And there was a, an assessment by uh, the Israeli security, which didn't get any publicity over here. But the idea was they, they did a test. They, did, they, they left a package uh, in a train station, at a bus station, at a sporting event, at a movie theater, in a mall, and at an airport, and a train. And nobody did anything. And so it, you have to wake people up. The first line of defense is the public or in the United in the States, United States not and in nobody did anything. Mm-hmm. And so the first line of the, the defense is the public. Sure. You got to wake people up. But the, the the thing is, you know, they don't want to they don't want to alarm people or, or or educate them or tell them to to get involved. They just want them to just be kind of mindless and the dumbing down and the is and it's working well, it very is, well. I mean, when you're going through those security lines, it is very much sort of lambs to the slaughter or at least a lemming going off a cliff or something there's a sort of now when they rope it off it, you actually feel like livestock at a yeah, certain yeah. point and no ride at the end like disney yeah. at least at disneyland you get to go Wee! yeah Here, you're just, just shuffling and shuffling and shuffling yeah the big payoff is some fiesta mix in a miller light at thirty thousand <laughs> feet but i mean you just sort of shuffle and then some guy who makes eight dollars an hour talks you in a condescending tone because you didn't take you forgot to take your belt off oh, you know yeah. and it's I, like I know, sir like... sir we told you all liquids in a clear container and you're like oh sorry i'm on no sleep and you, you see these people it's humiliating like i i i said like when i saw them pull out a very nice bottle of wine which was obviously a gift to some woman probably from her in-laws and basically just did the sweetie this not going through there and pointed at the trash can and the woman walked it over and threw her nice bottle of Merlot into the garbage and then walked and apologized when she came back. At least Sorry. keep it. At least give it away to somebody else. You There's know? nothing you can do. You can't, who are you going to give it away to? You don't and, think and, the TSA go home with that? Come no, on. they don't. They don't. I, I, would don't. F- I, I would hope that they would. My argument was, let's say it's liquid TNT. Well, what are you going to do? Blow up this wine the trash can that's sitting right in front of everyone. Oh, like, yeah, if I it know. is dangerous, aren't well, we all going to get just killed? The, you know what it is? It doesn't make any sense. It's just like when you go to an airport and you see a sign that says American, you know, and they have right. the uniforms. These are just guys with uniforms and a sign up there and just hoping there's this illusion that's going right. on it's just all a an illusion but yeah I, but if it I, was called wild turkey you probably wouldn't fly <laughs> you it. wouldn't get on it but right. I, but i think this this whole um if you just did this save all the billions of dollars we just spent uh i forget it with the uh, the initial reports was a two billion dollars i know it's got to be about 11 billion dollars for these new security devices all over the country right all the people working them the people watching in the monitor whatever and if you would just take all of that and get rid of it just keep the basic little wand metal detector and just hire three, four guys on the plane to sit up in the front seats. Those are the guys sitting in the seats. Maybe one guy in the back. That's it. Right. But the, but the airlines also don't want to give up even that. Right. That's what you happen. The truth of the matter is if you want to go back and go back and go back, 
the the end of the middle class in America, which is also what this is, has to do with, was deregulation. As soon as you had deregulation, the height of the uh, middle class, which is the envy of the world, was taken away under the Reagan administration. When they started deregulate, you know, it's not good for business, you know, to huh, hold business back. So we never had the you never had the payback into the infrastructure and the R and D of these companies. What, what ended up being, they never gave the people the new products, whether it was the car companies or whatever it was the steel companies, and they didn't have that um, infrastructure in the companies. And that was, and then with the you know the airlines buying out other airlines, it's still happening. There's no longer any antitrust stuff happening. What happens is what's happening. You end up there's I no. I saw Wall seen. Street. I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's just uh, is this the kind of country that you want? That's what you got. You well, uh, let's uh, let's talk a little about Rob Schneider for a second because I, I feel like. And but you can correct me if I'm wrong. What's that? You've you've made a a bit of a transition in your life. It's, it's happened years ago, but you want you 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 became a a I don't know a, a citizen of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't mean to sound it in a cornball sort of way, but I mean you started wearing natural fibers and drinking tea instead of coffee. And I, <laughs> were you different at a certain point though? Was there a time when you're slamming beers and dropping quaaludes and you know banging underage chicks, and then you made a <laughs> conscious decision to uh... sort of become uh, more like Sting? Or what? <laughs> what happened? I mean, I don't mean in a bad way, but I just mean you. You're you're centered. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying. You're, what you're, happened? You're not you're not Chris Farley. Well, <laughs> well I, I um I don't know if there was a. It just came to a certain point, like you know, if you're going to talk about stuff, you got to live it. You know, when you and, were on SNL, was that a different lifestyle oh, for yeah, you? Yeah, no, I, mean, I was just you know overweight and drugs and, and, and booze uh, and corn dogs. I, I wish and, it was drugs. I never liked drugs. You know, I mean, I liked. The, I couldn't smoke pot really, just a very little bit. And uh, there was a very sober-ish show. There's only a couple of guys doing drugs there, and unfortunately, uh, one of the bad guys over there turned Chris Farley on to heroin. It's like cocaine was you know dangerous enough. Uh, but I never, you know, was into that. It's for me, uh, but I just it gets to the point where I think where the change in society happens. And this is, may sound elitist, but the cultural elite is what changes um, societies. I mean, it has to be like the fact of the matter is you got like twelve to fourteen to about maybe eighteen million people starting to be healthy, starting to be more conscious about stuff, and that's what the change is going to be. I mean, it's a huge positive step when you can get. Uh, you know, organic milk in uh, fucking Walmart. I mean, that's seriously, right. you can get that now. Why? Because the people are making that choice. And I think at the end of the day, it's like you know, when you see people, I'll tell you what happened to me. I'll tell you exactly. Uh, now I remember exactly. Well, my dad died and he did everything, every stupid medicine thing they told and every operation and everything. And he, How long ago was he's this? He's dead. Um, it's been 11 years now. 11 years. And he, yeah. did he die of cancer? Or what he... he had cancer. He had diabetes. He had blood pressure. He had just enough things to keep him going for a while but right. he was on literally like you know 12 different medications that i knew of and like you know and so i he was doing everything everything the doctor said and he died anyway so that's when i realized something else isn't happening and he was relatively young and his yeah he was in his mid-60s you know mid-60s. so so uh and i just thought that's a shame and i said i gotta learn something else and so i just uh realized uh well i just started i met this great guy named uh raymond francis he's beyond health international.com and he just kind of told her, well, here's what happened. Here's why he died. Here's what, say, here's what he's eating, blah, blah, blah. And this is your body. Um, will has a, the most powerful, healthy thing you could do for yourself is your body. You have it. You have just got to get out of your body's own way to heal. And then it just kind of made me realize, hey, if I can just have some you know, positive impact with the people that I meet without being a chronic bore, like I've probably been on tonight's show, then you could. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to take that 
risk. No, listen, I like it. I'm interested in it, and I'm curious how it works. And 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 you know, I and there's a psychological component to it there, as there well. Is, but it's like, there's nothing more basic for a population. There's nothing more basic than clean water, clean air, access to uh, to healthy foods, and education, and roads, and some basic health care. And all those things are being usurped and ruined by a very small group of people, including, like, you know, the media airwaves. It's owned by – I remember because when I got started getting in the media in by the late 80s, uh, it was about um, – 26% of all media was owned by eight companies. Mm-hmm. In just 20 years, it's 98% owned by the same eight companies. Right. And so those are those companies that are not – the airwaves are not owned by the corporations. They're owned by the public, you know? Right. And that would get, that gets us uh, Ryan Seacrest on 5,000 channels and it does, a $60 it does, million dollar But look, contract. they're getting their asses kicked right now. Clear channels, getting Good. their asses wiped out. Well, so now you – now you, were you and your father close – yeah, he was this great guy. He was the guy who wanted me to take over the family business. My dad was the only what, guy. What was the business? He was like in the real estate, kind of a little loan business, you know, second deeds of trust. He's a little guy, and he's the only guy in his family graduated high school. My mm-hmm. grandfather couldn't read or write, you know, so he was a, an immigrant from Austria. And, um, you know, so anybody having a chance to go to school. My mom found money in a cave in the Philippines. She's from a Filipino, and she, that she washed the money, and that's how they, that the Japanese buried, and that's how she was able to go to school. So when I didn't want to, when I wow. dropped out of college, she was like, when do you, you know, you drop out of college, are you crazy? You know what, I had my money in a cave, you know, your grandmother. Rather. She hated that, but my sure. dad was always, hey, cool, do what you want. I was 15, and I said, you know, there's a comedy club in San Francisco, and uh, on Monday nights, they let anybody go up, and... Uh, my dad said, let's go. And that was it. And, so, and I mean, he went with you? And he went with me because I couldn't drive, you know? And I just, you know, you, you know when you get up on stage, you probably were starting when you were a teenager, too. You look like a... No, but yes. It's uncomfortable. The audience yeah. doesn't want to see a kid on there. They're drinking. They're trying to get laid. They're sure. smoking. Especially, sure. by, you know... That was your dad. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad at the club. <laughs> and then there were the other customers. And at 15... Yeah. And by the way, you must have looked like you were nine and a half oh, yeah, at 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so at 15... A young Rob Schneider and his dad go to a club <laughs> yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. Hopefully not Cobbs. We'll be playing there this weekend. <laughs> Both it's not that big. No, and, it's the, the Holy City Zoo. This dumpy little place. And they take you out there, and it's basically open mic night. Open mic. You wait, and about maybe 1 o'clock in the morning is when I went on. And you're doing material like, don't you hate it when you buy a new peachy folder and it's torn? And I was like, shut up, yeah. kid. We're no. trying to smoke and get laid. Pretty much. You know, pretty much. My favorite part, there was some comedian... Then I, I went back a few months later, and then, like, maybe when I was 16, I was able to drive. And then, the, you know, the guy who owned the club said, listen to me. I'll let you on stage. But as soon as you're done, you got to get out of here. I don't lose my liquor license because you, okay? I'm going to tell you. So I said, okay, right. And so as soon as I perform, I go to leave. And the, the other comedian said, hey, you got a couple laughs. Hey, come back here, blah, blah, blah. So he goes – so, so I go up in the back with him. The guy sees me later. What do I tell you? Get the hell out right. of here. Grab me by the neck – by the, literally by my neck and by the seat of my pants and throw me out of the club, you know? So you start doing comedy in San Francisco. It sounds a pretty good town to start yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky. It was it, a, uh, a real boom time for comedy. At 15, early 80s yeah. at that time. And you keep going through high school? Yeah. By the time I was a junior, my grades were going down the toilet. And uh, and I was just, you know, because there was clubs, there was girls, there was, you know. And then luckily for us, Robin Williams was was very popular at that time. And so the audiences would come out and pack the clubs thinking he was going to show up. And more times than not, he did. He right. was just, you know, he's just this, this whorish, addicted performer. You know, he has to get out there. But it was great for us. The problem was he would come and usually he would show up and then he'd do two hours and then... 
he'd leave and most of the audience would go with them, you know, right. with him. But uh, it, it created a scene at that time, you know, and at that time, you know, in the 80s, there was a, you know, you couldn't have a bar that went on a Monday night that didn't have comedy. Right. You know, all you so, was a so microphone. So by the time you graduate high school, you're almost a seasoned veteran. Yeah, yeah. I'd done it a few hundred times. I'm ready to go. And then, like, uh, I, I, I spent a little bit of time at college and I dropped out, much to my mother's dismay. You know, she wanted me to be an attorney. And I was like, I know. I just said, I want to be a stand up and I feel it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she thought I was a loser and, uh, you know, she didn't like it at all. But, you know, the first time I got on TV, I was like 20 and then uh, 21. And by the time I was like 23, I was, you know, national TV. What, what was the first time? How old were you when you were on, like, Letterman the first time? Uh, I was 23. 23. Yeah. And when did you start SNL? Uh, like two years later. It's like 25. And you start off as a writer. Yeah, you start off as a writer, you know, and that was... Uh, Does everyone start off as a writer? You do, and I remember thinking like, hey, they want you to write, on my first show there, why don't you, why don't you help write some of the monologue, blah, blah, blah. And I said, get in the write the monologue, it's amazing, you know. That's and Lauren I, Michaels, right? Yeah, and I said, uh, so, uh, that's incredible. And then, you know, you realize that whoever writes the monologues, it's like the shit job, you know? <laughs> really? But I always liked it. I just was, there was a very fair show. I hear people complaining about that show, you know, because I was on the show, there was, you know, when they, when, when they went over the roll call of the cast... Mm-hmm. That was longer than the actual show because there was like 80 people on at the right. time, you know. Uh, Lauren didn't like to fire anybody. So anyway, so uh, – but it was the greatest place. Who were some of the guests that uh, stood out for you? Well, Christopher Walken was a guy who – he was the only guy I felt like really – was probably the best uh, live performer because he didn't necessarily care about how the, what the audience – uh, he didn't take his cue from the laughter, which was brilliant. Because mm-hmm. I remember I did this one thing because I was a huge fan of um, the Dead Zone. You know, the Dead mm-hmm. Zone was amazing. Yeah, the, the movie. Dead Zone was like you know, the Dead Zone is where you touch a guy and and there's this noise, and he was just uh, and he can see in the future. Or see oh, the is that the one where the president is going to be shot? Yeah. Stilson, good movie. Man. So that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, so I, I so he basically sees into it the gets future. Gets lumped in with Dreamscape, but uh, don't <laughs> this kid is yourself. Way better. This is Dead way Zone's better. A cl- it still holds up too. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, Name for uh, I was going to say T's V, but Gina's V. By the way, Thank the dead zone. Thank, Thank you. you. Go ahead. But Rob. this thing. Uh, so basically, I, I thought it'd be funny sketch if he touches somebody, and then the guy sees <laughs> sees unimportant stuff. Right. Your daughter's running in the kitchen, and now the mop, the, the maid just mopped. Yeah, does she fall? Does she hurt herself? Is she okay? No, but the maid's going to have to remop. You know, <laughs> right. and then like. You're driving in a cab, and Phil Hartman was the guy. You're driving in a cab on the way here, and you, you does the cab crash? Is everything no? But you're drinking coffee. What happens? Is it spill on me? The, no, but you leave your coffee in your in the cab. You're wasting coffee. And he says, "Okay, pal." <laughs> so uh, anyway, he, he did this, the the bit, and it just murdered. Huh. And uh, I just remember because he also is one of the first guys who says, "Hey, can you put the cue cards? Um, have the guy stand on the ladder so that I don't have to look down. I could look up." It'll right. be right there. And so anyway, so he said, that's a great idea. So we got a guy on a ladder to pull the cue cards up. So when he backed, he went, boom. And you could see it. And it was right. Yeah. Right, right. And then uh, after, and I noticed he was taking, he was just like, took a beat, you know, mm-hmm. between. And then I went after, I said, oh, thank you. Uh, you know, Mr. Walken, I just, you know, I can't thank you for helping me kill with that bit. It was just amazing to be in a scene with you. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, let me ask you, we haven't any problem seeing the cue card? And he, he just said, no. And he just kind of touched my hand. He said, no. I was taking my moment. <laughs> wow. And it was just, no one does that. You're always sure. scared to death. You can't wait to, you know, get to the next line, everything, but, you know, you know. Yeah, when you're nervous, you speed up. Yeah. You have no idea how you won't let things <laughs> breathe or give them a fear, moment. Fear, yeah. You fear, no, it's literally, 
it's it's it's, it's fight or flight, and it's yeah. flight, but you're, it's your mouth that's running from a bear, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, yeah. not your feet. No, you're exactly right. And you do that, and it's weird. And these poor people, you see it when someone's doing the best man speech, and they're like, oh, yeah. "Hey, I just want to tell everyone that Brad's a great guy. I went to college together. Hey, Brad, remember Cancun '89? What's up, everybody? All right. Anyway, let's let's let's." And it's like you just see them running at the mouth, like they're not even right. taking a beat and enjoying it. Yeah, I guess that's a seasoned stage performer probably has that because TV wouldn't have that as much no, as you a stage performer that. would. Yeah, and also the confidence. But you know, wouldn't you have to? Wouldn't you say though, the guy who doesn't have some of that fear maybe is at risk of not being an interesting performer? Yes, uh, I I have. There is a there is an opposite of that, and uh, I like the guy. But I've seen uh, Jeff Garland perform, <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen him pull up a stool and just go. I'm going to talk for 20 minutes about a mini Snickers bar, and at a certain yeah. point, you think to yourself, I wish there was a little fear. Yeah, yeah. Sprinkled in I, there. I always think uh, shave like, it down to fifteen minutes. About the <laughs> when, whenever I see that, I go, you know what? I don't think we need to be here for this. The audience, we don't. It's obviously he's not doing this for us. And that that that's a that's a so, thing. So now he walking is an example of a of a good guy. I mean, a guy you was really interesting to work with. Yeah, and also the thing about this is another thing too, because there's a difference also between the two. There's also a guy who can take his moments and also be innately interesting, mm-hmm. or someone who takes his moment can be innately boring. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the difference between like Bill Murray mm-hmm. can take a moment, can take several moments, and is just interesting because right. the guy is just uh, he, he just he's a guy you would you can pay to have you know I would pay eight bucks to watch him eat lunch you know yeah. he's has that kind of thing. but some other people it's like you better just get to it you better bring it you know what I well, mean? Well, <laughs> I think it's sort of called it yeah and and I I think you can dig this that and I always try to explain to people. You know, we are human beings, but we're sort of animals first. We're a little <laughs> higher up on the food chain than yeah. many other animals, but we're animals. And we yeah. people have vibes. And there's people you don't like and you don't tolerate <laughs> and you don't want to hear what they have to say. And they bother you and you're not going to pay to watch them eat lunch. Yeah. And then there's people that just have it. You know, Bill Clinton yeah. has it. Alec Baldwin has yeah. it. You know, there's just those guys that have it. Right. And then there's the guy that I always call the creepy guy at the office that freaks out every <laughs> every chick who works there. And sometimes it's just the way your yeah. face is shaped or your eyes. But people pick up on there, that. There is something there. You know, it's interesting because along those same lines, there's some people who can turn that on and then turn that off. And it's an interesting thing because you take somebody like Julia Roberts who the audience loves and like and that's a sign of a superstar because anybody can be in a hit movie. I've been in hit movies but a superstar is when you make a movie that's not that good and people show up anyway. Right. Like uh, Sleeping with the Enemy. It wasn't Pretty Woman with Larry Miller just here that made her a superstar. It was Sleeping with the Enemy. A mm-hmm. not good movie and everybody showed up anyway and they said okay she's a star they'll show up to anything let's put her in anything it doesn't matter. Right. And But there's something you know I mean I don't know how what, I mean I don't really know her it's not safe to say but I, I've worked with people who work with her and I, I, I haven't heard that She's the most incredibly nicest person. But again, when that camera is on, when that moment is, when that shutter is opening, it's picking up something. Then the audience picks up something on that. And that's just it. And you either have that or you don't. And, you know, if you were able to figure out what that was, you know. Well, like. You'd have your own podcast. Sandler has that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, And speaking of him now, you guys were there during the same years or some of the same years. Yeah. Which Who is, was there first? I was there first. And I, you know, he was also, you know, one of those guys. We lived across uh, the street from each other uh, for a little while in North Hollywood. And I heard about him 
Because, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, if you're a, a funny comic, people know about you. And I got on, uh, you know, Letterman. Pre-SNL. Pre-SNL. This is the 80s. This is like talking about 88, you know. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he moved out here 88, 89. And like, but I'd already gotten on, on Letterman and I, him and Rock were buddies. There was the two funny young guys. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, whoa, those are the guys in New York. And I was one of the guys out in L.A. He's like, just like in, in jazz in the 40s, you know, there's the West Coast cool. Right. Like Chet Baker, the, uh, what's his face? Washington was another guy. Unfortunately, O.D. Uh, another jazz uh, uh, Jazz player, O.D. Saxophone player. Time? I know, it's unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, th- that was before Bird O.D. But anyway, sure. so, and he'd heard about me. And so, uh, and I saw his first set. And mm-hmm. I saw him, and it, it's like they had a crappy improv. They had the good improv and the shitty improv out in the valley. Yeah. It's in the 80s. You know, it was the end of the Napoleon Where was comedy the crappy improv. one in the 80s? It was a ho- right near the, under the freeway. There maybe was a Hilton in, uh, you know, oh, in Oh, yes, yes, shit off hole. of the 405. It was an awful room. It was like, you know, yes. either where they put closets or an audience and a comedian. Yeah. Was, I mean, where they put brooms. Well, or here's chairs. the thing. Comedy clubs should not have one of those commercial-style acoustic drop ceilings. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. like you know what I mean? Like yeah. a Madison Inn or something like that yeah. weird T-bar commercial where they just dropped right, it. Right. It's the ceiling. You need a little height in a comedy club. I think so, too. And that place, uh, the stage was... You, literally you were never comfortable. The, the lights yes. were too high. So many things could throw off right. uh, and you know, make people not want to laugh. But he's on stage. He was kind of nervous and then whatever. His first set. And I just happened to be in the audience there. And I, the only two people laughing was me and him. Mm-hmm. He was laughing on his own material. He did an you know, impression of his, his brother having gay sex for the first time, which is just him crawling on the stage screaming. And then, um, you know, after we went out and, and had, to, had a beer, and I said, you're going to be huge, and I'm never wrong. And I said that because, literally, uh, Michael Keaton's manager took me out to lunch that day. He said, you're going to be huge, and I'm never wrong. This sounds like a good thing really? to say, you know. It's a nice thing to say to a young comic. And I said, oh, well, I say, but, you know, I, there's something about Adam. And he was just the funniest guy of all of us. But all- everyone should say that to everyone anyway because nice in case to... the guy hits there's this thing where it's like hey man Rob is one of the only guys who believe in me meanwhile Rob said that to his landlord when he was leaving the building you're huge yeah. and I'm never wrong said it to yeah. the gardener said it to the guy who got in his car the world, oh, you're huge and I'm never wrong <laughs> right right so so at that point a, a friendship was forged yeah and then like literally when I got kicked out of uh, you know uh, the girl I was living with at the time kicked me out of the house for whatever reason that God knows what and I was dr- driving home on, on Houston Street I lived in North on Hollywood, Houston Street. On Houston, right. I remember thinking, this is a great apartment, man. And this is, you know, they're not so cheaply built like everybody says. I can't hear my neighbors. I was the first guy to move in. And then I could, I swear to God, I heard my neighbor go like, <sighs> one time. It was, and I, there, <laughs> I, I, I had the gay neighbors upstairs. Nothing wrong with that. But I had the gay neighbors. They would, they would like, beat the shit out of each other you'd hear them go oh, oh and then they, uh, they'd hit the ground and it was right above me and then sure. you and then and then you then they'd have sex after and go i love you and you'd hear an even lower voice i love you i just and threw then, up in my mouth <laughs> i grew up on houston street in north i mean i don't say i mean that's the house i grew up okay, in I was, was right on, down the street was on houston 12 blah, street. blah blah something Twelve thousand blah. uh one one <laughs> And then there's a seven in We're there. right there. So I was across yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. So when I, uh, the girl threw all and my and stuff. And I meet fucking Adam Sandler. <laughs> I met Ray and Donnie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I was, uh, she threw all my stuff out the window. And I remember, yeah. I, was, I, I was walking down, the st- I was driving home and I see, hey, the, somebody's picking up the homeless guy going through clothes. And well, that's like, my clothes, that's what's my clothes. <laughs> I was, uh, so anyway, so I stayed at Adam's house for a little while. And then he got on, I got an SNL in the 89, 90 season, the end of that. And then uh, the, David Spade and I were hired because Bernie Brillstein said we were a writing team, even though we weren't. Right. And but that way was their their way of getting him hired, and um, which was great. And then uh, Adam got hired like in December, 
20 years ago, 1990. And when he got hired, nobody was laughing at his stuff except maybe, like, you know, just a couple of the cool, cool, you know, the guys who got him. Was it sort of a weird hire then for Lorne or sort of well, a they gutsy needed, they hire? they needed young guys, you know, and he was one of the young guys who people thought, well, this guy's obviously funny, obviously talented, you know. But it just he just did not hit, uh, you know, none of the writers liked him over there, no, except Rob Smigel, me, Jim Downey, and that was it. And he would read stuff out that was really funny and nobody would laugh except me, Jim Downey, Rob Smigel, and Adam. And it was just one of those things where, like, most of the people in the room were customers because that's just, you know, the way it is, the cast. So most of in the writer's room, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in the, in the main room where they would read every sketch, somebody would write a sketch, mm-hmm. and then everybody would read it. And it was cool, to me, it's very democratic because no matter what you wrote, somebody read it, which mm-hmm. is extremely democratic. Right. Right. You know, it's I mean, so like you know, it didn't ignore it like other TV shows. It gets read in front of everybody, and what gets the most laughs usually is what gets on. But however, most of the people in that audience there were you know customers, and God knows you don't want customers making the decisions of what's funniest to get on sure, the show. Sure. So anyway, anyway, it took him a long time, but then finally, what happened was he realized all I got to do is just write something and get just like what Eddie Murphy did. Let me just write something for Weekend Update. Stand next to Kevin Nealon. And it's going to work. And as soon as he got on, the audience loved him, just like that. Right. And Neelan was doing uh, and then that weekend so, update. Yeah. Did Neelan take Norm's place, or did Norm take Neelan's place? Norm was place? after. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Uh, I like Norm's Neelan a, a funny, lot, but yeah. Norm on a weekend that update hot. was awesome. Well, hey, Norm was the funniest ever on that show. I mean, the best. You know, the the, fun, yeah. the funniest news. Guy. I mean, nobody even come close. It's too bad he's insane, and I don't really mean that in a bad way. I just I, mean I, he's. Kind when you of say nuts. insane, let's be honest. It's more chemically unbalanced. It's yes, more, he's just he's gonna figure. He literally it out. doesn't drive himself places, and yeah, I, well, Norm. Uh, thing <laughs> about Norm is uh, he's. Uh, He's always been nuts. He just hit it better before. You're know? right. That's what happens. These things don't get better with time. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, Norm's one of those guys. He'll write something that's a really funny joke, but also let you realize he's a sick fucker. You know, it's like I said, yes. you ever find yourself one of his bit, Norm's bits, which I just thought, like, oh, I'll just die. I fell off my chair. And he said, you ever find yourself uh, lying, telling a lie, and you're halfway through, you realize, wait a minute, there's no possible way I could benefit from this lie. <laughs> Why am I lying? Saying, hey, did you see Avatar? Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's just a monster. Dude. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a twisted mind. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gifted. But like so many of the greats of our past who have, yeah. you know, cut their ears off and sent them to whores and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, the same part of your brain that frees you up to be that yeah. gifted does not discipline you enough to get your learner's permit. Well, that's the idea. The idea is that there's, you know, in the Hindus, they say there's different parts of us. There's that criminal part of us. Mm-hmm. There's that, you know, if you can break it down, it's eight levels of it. But if you can break it down, basically, there's that criminal part of your mind. Mm-hmm. The criminal part. If you let that, that drug addict kind of thing, you know. Uh, who's always going to do what's, you know, immediate gratification part. Uh, if you let that control your life, you will have no life. It will ruin your life, you know. And uh, and then there's the second part of people who climb out of that and go to AA or whatever, you know, sex uh, anonymous. Then they cling to that second part, which is just this really uh, controlled area of living their life, whether it's born-again Christianism or whatever it is. Sure. And then, and then the people who grow up in that automatically become like questioning, saying, I don't want to be like these crazy fucking people. Right. But they've had that stability to have that. And then the idea is to get out of that and get it to some kind of place where you just kind of accept the craziness of, of, of life. Well, I, I'm with you. I, I, I must say, though, I'm, 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 um, I'm a little disheartened because I, on Sunday, uh, I was in Pomona to go to the, 
Well, that'll to, dishearten you right away. Yes, to go to the swap meet in Pomona, the one where they sell all the VW parts and the Corvette parts and it, the humanity at that place. <laughs> I mean, you do, because you do this thing where you can't help but see the world through your contact lenses. And you right. go like, come on, people, let's recycle. Or come on, people, don't beat your old lady. What's in it for you? Or come on, yeah. or, or hey, Shut that light off when you're leaving wipe the room. Wipe that kid down. Yeah, wipe that kid down, the little Purell. Or why right. why are you drinking uh, bathtub gin when you could be drinking ginseng tea, you know? But right. then you go to the Pomona swap meet. Yeah. And you see this sea <laughs> of humanity. I, I talked to an eight-year-old boy that had a knife that his dad, dad got him. And I'm not talking about a pocket knife. I'm talking about a yeah. knife, Grizzly Adams style, more Rambo style, with a swastika on. <laughs> yes, in the handle. Daddy wow. got it yeah. for him. You know, all these other kids sort of walking. And by the way, yeah. you know, guy coming up to me with his three kids, you know, seven, nine, and 11, going, I fucking love your shit, dude. Your shit, man. When you had those bitches on the tramp. And I'm and like, there's a part of well, that, me that wants to t- say to him, hey, your kids are standing here. Well, and you said the word house. bitch nine but times. That's the duality of man. The duality of man is to, is to always think that you are advanced at this level and that, that to expect that. And that other people before us were not as much. And it's like, if you think about what you're basically, in my opinion, what you're talking about, if you talk about the people who invented democracy, mm-hmm. if you want to go back to the Greeks, mm-hmm. like with Plato and, and Socrates, they believed, uh, you know, they had time, first of all, to invent democracy. And like Plato thought, you should go to school until you're 50. You should just go to university. Why? Why did they invent this? Because they had slaves doing everything. Right. So they had these people, you know, and they, they also, they didn't consider themselves gay, but they slept with boys. Well, I'm sleeping with boys. I own the boy. Why didn't I, why wouldn't I fuck him? Of course I'm going to fuck him. He's a perfectly good boy. I bought this right. boy. You know, and so. Get that drop. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What, Rob? What? What do you think about young boys? But anyway, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so anyway, so this is the these are the Greeks that did sure. this, and so but they but this was their that dem- won't democracy. Be in the drop, by the way, but, but go ahead. The democracy was for them, just for right. them, for right. these elitists, for just sure. those people, and not for everybody else. But the idea is like you know, slavery ended in 1888. It's still relatively not that long ago. Maybe your grandfather's grandfather. So it's just like so the idea sure. that you know now the Corollas we didn't we we were we didn't own land like you'd have to have land or <laughs> something we we lived in apartments like I mean there's no there are no possessions amongst the Corollas okay. there's no soil to till well, there's nothing to pick well the Corollas probably came over here because you know the the, the real wealthy Italians never left. Yo, they they stayed. The blonde went up. up I interviewed my dad recently on this podcast. They all came over from Italy on a boat, you know, turn of the century and started yeah, working in sweatshops. They were, they were essentially slaves. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was they were dying. They had to get out. They were they were going to die. So it's a different kind of. No, thing. I know. I listen. I feel that I hear what you're saying. It reminds me of a story, and it just shows how horrible the nature of many human beings are. My sister married a German guy, architect, good guy. And had uh, three beautiful boys. And when the subject of slavery came up on, I don't know, Love Line a million years ago or whatever radio show I was doing, I said, listen, I feel bad for it, but don't blame me. Like, I wasn't in this country. (laughs) My parents are poor. Their parents were poor. Their parents came over here and no money in Ellis Island and sweatshops and living in South Philly. And my dad's dad played the horn in a band and barely worked. And there was no, they lived in South Philly and (laughs) nobody owned anything. So I'm sorry for slavery, but, uh, you know, asking me to apologize for it, it'd be like saying to my nephews, apologize for the Holocaust (laughs) because your dad's German. They weren't born 
weren't in Germany. They live in Topanga Canyon. They didn't have any. And by the way, (laughs) years-wise, they're closer to it than I was. Of course, somebody who knows my sister just said, uh, did you hear your brother on the radio show the other night? He called called your kids Nazis. He's playing with the Holocaust. (laughs) I thought, you fucking bitch. Why do you do that? You know what I mean? Because we only get five-second or eight-second. Why do you use your eight seconds to tell my sister I call their nephews Nazis (laughs) or my nephews Nazis, you know? So sad, but that's that's but anyway. Sorry. If you drive anywhere forty five minutes outside of any big city, it gets weird. Pomona oh, yeah. is case in point. You just drive, you just leave. There's nothing wrong with you know. I don't mean to like pick on Pomona, but any place outside of a major city, it no. gets weird quick. No, it doesn't feel like Pomona, California. It feels like Pomona, Arkansas, eighteen seventy seven. Like uh, if they make, yeah. use Buick parts, like it's know, you, weird. You, you, you get a flat tire, the wrong part, you're going to get eaten. You know? No, it's 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 insane. I mean, we we laugh, but you know, you call Fontana, Fontucky, and and you, I just yeah. got back from Fresno, and what the hell's going on in Fresno? Like yeah. places don't seem. Like they're in California, but I would say though, because I was, you know, I, I was kind of more negative about this maybe ten years ago, and I was talking Dick Gregory because the cool thing about making your own movies, you can hire people you want to hire, and so that'd be fun to have Dick Gregory to come on for a couple of days, and uh, he's a great guy. He's you know what, uh, I think he's he's a little. Um, uh, not nutty about uh, conspiracies because you know his two best friends were murdered within a month of each other in the in the sixties. Martin, right. Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy. But I, he was talking to me, and I said, "It's not getting any better, Dick." And he said, "What are you talking about?" I said, well, it's not getting any better. When he was like, what do you mean? He said, well, look about that guy in Texas. This is about 10 years ago. He said, uh, the guy in Texas, you know, he, he got killed behind the back of a truck and they dragged him. This is the, right. uh, racist incident. And he said, well, you heard about it, didn't you? Right. Meaning- 30 years, 50 years ago, you never hear about it. Right. They had, now they got to do something about it. Now that, believe it or not, is an improvement. Are you doing walking now or is this Dick Gregory? No, that's, that's, my, that's my more racist <laughs> version of Dick Gregory. No, it does sound like Dick Gregory because I saw him at the Playboy roast. Yeah, he uh, was about, great, huh? About 10 years ago. You were ago. great on that, too. I remember you gave Hugh, Hugh uh, your, your jizz rag. That's yeah, what you know. I'm, it's all all first, up top top shelf. I don't work blue, Rob. I know, That's I know. my policy. Uh, I promised uh, myself, I got a I got a book out, and I promised myself, uh, or at least the listeners, I'd play a little clip from the audio version, and that I would stop calling it a book on cassette. Mike, did you pull uh, three minutes of that? Yeah, what's uh, what's the topic? The war on drugs. Oh, the war on drugs. Oh, good, I got to hear this. All right, this is. Uh, by the way, uh, still a number three on iTunes, just behind President Bush's book and the uh, new uh, Prince of Narnia or whatever the hell it is, and uh, it's six and a half hours. The Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, no idea yeah. What it's called. <laughs> It's uh, it, it varies uh, wildly from the text in the book because I can't read very well. But let's uh, let's listen to a snippet. Politicians in both parties are guilty of perpetuating this, but the liberals are definitely on the correct side. I go nuts when I read about how much the DA spends on pot versus what they spend on crystal meth. Meth makes you do evil things. Weed makes you eat pie filling straight out of the can. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Who would you rather have living next door to you? A bunch of fish heads or a bunch of meth heads? The first group might keep you up all night with a 25-minute guitar solo. But the tweakers are going to steal your stereo, pawn it for meth money, then microwave and rape your cat. When the history books are written, the prohibition of marijuana is going to look like the prohibition of alcohol in the 20s and 30s. Our grandkids will think we were idiots. There was an ad that came out shortly after 9-11 saying that if you smoke marijuana, you're funding terrorism. No, the fact that the government made it illegal funds terrorism. 
They created a black market. I can't believe it's 2010 and we're still arguing about this. It should have been legalized in the early 70s. We could have generated millions of dollars in tax revenues and saved billions of hours arguing about something that's not intrinsically dangerous. Here's my philosophy on pot in a nutshell. The people who smoke pot will continue to smoke pot, legal or not. The idea that the second they decriminalize marijuana, my dad's going out to buy a bong and a hacky sack is insane. As a parent, I would prefer that my kids didn't grow up and smoke pot. But I would also prefer that they didn't eat chili burgers, ride motorcycles, smoke cigarettes, drink hard lemonade, or play with samurai swords. Since none of those things are illegal, it'll be up to me to educate them on the consequences of those behaviors. But let's face it. Eventually, the kid's going to rip a bong load and go for that chili burger. <laughs> it's not going to kill him. We've all done it, and we're still here, right? See, the problem is the government thinks pot is a drug and that all drugs are evil. They're not. It's what you do with them. Like cars. You could pick up your kids at daycare, or you could plow through an outdoor swap meet and kill a bunch <laughs> of people. My overall problem with the right is that they're foot draggers. They don't understand that in the near future, the gays will be allowed to marry, marijuana will be legalized, and stem cells will be used to repair organs. It's called progress. It's what societies do. And history isn't kind to those who don't recognize that. In my mind, these topics are no different than the two sets of drinking fountains installed for whites and Negroes. We'll burn millions of hours arguing over it, There'll be a few rallies. A few people are going to get hit with fire hoses. And 25 years from now, magically, every politician will have been for gay marriage back in the day. All right. Hey, that's that's a great piece. I got to get that book. First of all, a, a couple of things, though. Um, that was great. That so, totally makes sense. Well, the, if you think about it, the conservatism, if you look it up, what it is, basically conservatives, according to Noam Chomsky, is you, they're just adopting what was radical 90 years ago and clinging right. to it. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, it's like, why, how did we allow, the, the, how did the liberals allow the conservatives to just make the word liberal and just uh, and ruin it and just say it's a bad thing? You know, it's because liberals, just, they don't get as uppity and fiery about things, you mm -hmm. know? They don't get as upset and, you know, and go, how dare they? You know, the, the liberals don't get that pissed off. Well, the liberals are... Here, here's the thing, or at least I've noticed because I grew up in a very liberal family. They are they want to solve things not with their fists and not by yelling at people or shouting people down. Yeah. But they want to sort of beat them using their mind rather than, like I said, a clenched fist. There, uh, there's some rage that is built up and once in a while flies out. It's kind of weird nerd rage, yeah. which is uh, a close cousin to liberal rage. <laughs> but generally, they'd rather talk about it than, than yell about it. Yeah. And the conservatives, are uh, they, they know what they're doing I, in, in the sense that they're like those people. It, it, here's how it works. It's kind of interesting, but it works this way. There's a part of you that does that. We all know the people in our circles who we don't want to give bad news to because they'll throw a shit fit. 
Yeah. It, it's a weird thing. We all have the friends. We might love those friends. but Anger, it's like, tyranny. You fucking tell him he, yeah. I, he, somebody scratch his car. I'm not going to tell him. Because, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. And so what happens is, is you kind of don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And you sort of stop dealing with it. And I always say this. That's, this is what the NRA does. Yeah. What the NRA does is somebody says to, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll quote a example I've used before, and I'll, I'll say it to Rob, so you people have heard it before, can tune out for uh, what's going to be 45 seconds. <laughs> but people, I always take smokers versus the NRA, and maybe a lot of them are in the same group. But somebody said to smokers, hey, we need you to move out of the restaurant and move to your smoking section in the restaurant. We're going to put you in a separate section. And smokers said, oh, yeah, okay, let me grab my cigarettes, my lighter, let's move over here. And they got up and they moved. And then at a certain point, someone tapped him on the shoulder and said, there's no longer a smoking section in the restaurant, but you can smoke at the bar. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll watch the game. We'll grab a beer. <laughs> we'll smoke, and then we'll come back in and eat. Yeah, yeah, smoke at the bar. No problem. And then at some point, someone tapped him on the shoulder and said, we need you to go outside. Go out front. Go on the sidewalk and smoke out of the bar. And they went, well, it's pretty cold outside. They went, take a jacket and go smoke. Okay, we'll go outside. We'll smoke. And we can still see part of the game from outside here. And then they went out in front of the restaurant, and they smoked, and someone tapped on the shoulder and went, we need you to move down the street. <laughs> and then they said, we need you to go home. But they kept going. Now, yeah. the NRA, someone tapped them on the shoulder and said, you know what? We don't want you guys to have grenade launchers. And they went, nope, no fucking way. No fucking <laughs> way. And they went, seriously, what do you need a grenade launcher? And they go, what, what the fuck do you care? And they went, yeah. well, let's just, let's just collect the <laughs> grenade launchers. They went, no, you're not. Let's argue about it. <laughs> and we've been arguing about it for the last 50 yeah. years. So they make a lot of noise. I don't know if they believe what they're saying, but nobody wants to deal with them. No, it's, and thus, it's like you get kind of shouted down and you go, you know what? Let's just go fuck with the smokers. I don't want to deal with those NRA It's just guys. like uh, people with money. Like they're, well, they're a well-financed group. And what they'll do is they'll just do these lawsuits and just beat it down and beat it down and beat it down and attack you. And yeah. they'll just throw money at it. Yeah. And it's just insanity. First of all, it was particularly... And, and you get... You get used to it. It's like, um, yeah. It's it's like uh, my my film. I made a film, and it's with the Weinstein Company, and it's like <laughs> everyone's like, oh, those guys. Yeah, they don't. You don't get any money back from those guys. You're like, why not? They go, they're the Weinstein Company. They don't give you. They don't. You gotta well, know how, that going in. Dude. How many DVDs have we sold? Well, they're not gonna tell you. Well, can't we ask? Well, yeah, but they'll they're gonna lie to you. And then so everyone just drinks the Kool Aid and goes, look, forget it. You just you're not gonna it. get anything back. They're soup. They're like people have they're to get angry. Though, but but right. let me give you an example. Like a Virginia Tech, where thirty-three kids were killed, there was legislation passed after that in Virginia to have. Uh, a, this is this is as far as they could go. You could not buy one. You could not buy more than one concealed weapon a month. <laughs> okay, that was their saying. Hey, this is this has got to right. stop. Right. No more than one a month. And guess what? They repealed that legislation. That's what I'm talking about. So it's like, you know what? That's too restrictive. That's, That's way too restrictive. I gotta, what if what I need do. two a month? What if I need two a day? Right. And it's like, and what happens is that the sad part about this is, is these automatic weapons and stuff end up in the drug wars because they end up going south of the border and it ends up that being part of that. And nobody keeps track of that stuff. They won't allow it to be monitored. You can't put a little chip in a gun or whatever. It's always the slippery. They don't care. It, yeah. It's always the slippery slope a-hole where they go, you say to someone, what do you need a grenade launcher and a 30-round banana clip for? And they go, Look, okay, you, you want to tell you how this works? And you go, what's wrong with a one-month waiting period in between yeah. buying handguns or something? They go, you want to know what's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. Nothing. But I'll tell you, that's today. 
Tomorrow, yeah. They'll come I got around. some jackbooted thug kicking in my front door because my uh, little girl used a spork that was too I sharp. Know, I know. It's too sharp. It could have cut her. Could have cut her brother with it. So no more of that. And the next thing you know, my little son he picks up a stick and he says he wants to play pirates. And no, because I got some jackbooted thug <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. in my front door telling my kid, "What now? Do you want to?" Rob, do you want to live in that society? And then you're like, oh, your answer's always got to be no. you got to be like, well, I don't want some jackbooted thug coming into my living room and telling my son what to play with. Well, all right, then. Then you vote no on this. Well, it's just like Fox News, how how this guy's allowed to, you know, they don't have this antitrust anymore. So how Murdoch's allowed to own a network, espouse his political views. And to own radio stations, to own newspapers, and change the political dialogue. And that's allowed by us. So, they, you know, at the end of the day, the people get the government they deserve. They get the TV shows they deserve. And you can make a difference by not watching that stuff. But it's just amazing to me. It just doesn't make sense. Like the people who are putting up with the security at the airports, the people who are being suppressed by the same uh, forces, uh, and they watch Fox News, the same, the, the same policies that are suppressing the middle class. And it's like, you know, if that's what they want to do, what can you do? Uh, I don't know, but I would urge you to head down to Pomona with me on the first Sunday of every <laughs> month and really check out that sea of humanity. And if you need inspiration for a Sandler movie character, uh, I will do that. You will find it there. Slumber Cloud. Oh, it's all in the title. More than comfortable. They utilize the most advanced bedding technologies for a truly rested life. Patented technology not found in any other bedding products to proactively manage temperature fluctuations through the night. Technology originally used in NASA spacesuits. I use their product. I, uh, I can be a sweaty sleeper. Sometimes my tootsies get cold. That's why I use Slumber Cloud. Slumber Cloud temperature regulating bedding products. From sheets to mattress pads can all be found at slumbercloud.com. Save 10%. Do it. 10% off your purchase with our exclusive code, Corolla10. That is Corolla10. And get a good night's sleep with Slumber Cloud. And that's Rob Schneider with Brian Bishop and Gina Grad back in December of 2010. Let's keep the clips going. We heard some of this episode yesterday, but let's listen to the rest of Lemmy's episode back in 2011. It's Adam Krull Show 479, Part 2. Lemmy Killmeister, Allison Rose, and Brian Bishop. January of 2011, as Chris said. Rest in peace, Lemmy. a little motorhead for you. We're going to hear a song off the new album uh, any second now. Lemmy's here. Good to see you again, Lemmy. Thank you, sir. Um, motorhead it says here, 36 years the band has uh, yes. been together. 36 years. No, nobody's more surprised than me, believe me. Yeah, so that means uh, you were nine when you started the band. <laughs> well, really, I, I wish. I, I, no, I will say this. I, I, It is smart to adopt a look like Lemmy has a look that a little bit like Robert Shaw. I didn't adopt it. I gave birth to it. Right. Yes. <laughs> it, it sprung from your loins. The point is, is you know, I don't know how it went over when you were 23, but you don't look any different now 
to me, you're just Lemmy from Motorhead. Whereas everyone else is like, ah, look at that guy. He's old. Or he got fat. Or sorry, bald Brian, but he got bald. Like everyone just gets older and looks different. You just look like Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah. I never did a day's work to do it either. Really? It makes you sick, doesn't it? Where'd you, where'd you grow up? I grew up in England and uh, North Wales mostly. And uh, I'm trying to do some math here, but uh, how old are you, if you don't mind telling me? I'm 65. Me? Sip, you're 65. Yeah, I started motorhead when I was 30. Really? Are you really 65? Yeah. You don't look 65 at all. Good. I mean, especially. <laughs> well, I mean, you got a cocktail in front of you now, right? Yeah, really. Why did, not? Did you uh, enjoy some of our Jeremiah weed back there? By the way, did no, you try I haven't some tried of that yet. Oh, you uh, got to try that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you, you do a little... Stru- what is it, raspberry vodka or something? It's all good. Very odd. You smoke uh, a couple of cigarettes, right? No, I smoke a lot of cigarettes. Smoke a lot of cigarettes. You drink a lot of beer. Bad habits came easy to my generation. Yeah. Well, b- back in the day, that stuff wasn't frowned on, right? Smoking, drinking, well, that kind of stuff. I was actually encouraged, you know. I mean, on the TV, they said... When I'm working on my car, I like to have a Marlboro, you know. Like. Yeah, you guys call them fags. I love that. Yeah. Did they call them fags? Or? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> would they call it like on a TV commercial? Would they say, you know, when no. I'm working on my car, I enjoy a fag? No, they wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> no. Get no. that drop. They would call <laughs> But it's not because it means that here, but it's just because that's a slang word. It's a slang word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they wouldn't, we wouldn't call it a butt or a square or something like exactly. whatever slang for cigarettes uh, out here. So... I can't get over the fact that you're 65 years Neither old. Neither can I. So, um, <laughs> so when you started the band, you were the ripe old age of, of 30. Yeah. What were you doing before that? I was in a band called Hawkwind mm-hmm. for about five years, and I was in several other bands before that. Uh, did you ever have a regular job? This is a regular job. After, <laughs> after 42 years, you don't think this is a regular job? Well, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to be a dick, but I mean, you know, chimney sweep or whatever. Uh, whatever no, we're going I was on a house painter. I'll tell you a funny story. Hmm. I was a house painter once uh, for about a week. Just did the one house. And uh, my friend got me in there because he, he was going to be doing it. And he didn't want to be left alone with the guy whose house it was because this guy was gay. Mm-hmm. And his name was Mr. Brownsword. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't write it. No, you? you can't write Mr. Brown's story. You couldn't write it. No, just me and Mr. Brown's like song, song, Monty Python now. couldn't have made because that. Of Rose's just song. blowing on a fag out in the driveway, <laughs> talking about fascia and trim colors with Mr. Brown's sword. So I think what, wow. what we're wondering is, did you ever have a job his, his that didn't get Mr. you chicks? His neighbor, Mr. Stinkfinger, was not gay. I must, Done by I must the skirting board. Eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, by the way, a house painter is the sort of fallback or go-to job for all like for women who are oh, actresses temporary, temporary for a week yeah that's all that's what i'm saying though but i used to work in a factory making washing machines too oh you did yeah what uh was it some weird english brand or was it hot like point. whirlpool hot point. hot point back what what part of england did you grow up in north wales was it was it depressing oh yeah <laughs> why is it so depressing over there it's the weather is that what it is? Well, the, the main feature of the weather over there is overcast. Right. You know. So people get people get kind of bummed out, and then they start drinking, and then sure. that's it. But I mean, they started drinking here, too. Yeah. But we, but I mean, we the get The sun tan. shines here all the bloody time. I mean, they're drinking like fish out here. 
No, I know. I know. Well, but it is the, the crowd you run with as well. I mean, I think yes, if you hang out at bars, right. you're going to find that, that people well, drink a lot. You do tend to find people that drink in bars, yes. And do you, do you live, where do you live? I live here. Oh, you I do? Live in West Hollywood. Oh, you do? I, I did not know that. And where does the rest of Motorhead live? Sweden and South Wales. Jesus Christ. Talk about a conference call. Well, you know, we've got planes these days. Sure. But uh, and if why we were do you, still driving everywhere, it'd be difficult. You know. Why do you choose to live out here in Southern California with everyone else sort of staying home? Because it's uh, not overcast, right? You Most of the time, I mean, it's some of the time these days. It used to be warmer, here, didn't it? Or is it just me? Uh, we had a rough winter this year, although now it's got. No, this, I mean, I've uh, been here Indian twenty summer. years now, and it used to be warmer generally, didn't it? I it it feels that way to me. I've been here. This is my uh, South Wales, by the way. I grew up in North Hollywood, so right. I never got to leave this place. And yeah, it seems like it used to be a little hotter during the summer. I'll, I'll ask Al Gore next time we have him on the yeah, show. Yeah, see, see if he's if it's his fault. You got a doc documentary that's coming out. It just came out. We had the uh, premiere on Thursday. Jesus, where uh, where can we find it, by the way? And uh, did you bring it to me or just bring the new album? No, they didn't give me one of those. What the fuck? I love a documentary. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Did uh, did you see Anvil, by the way? Yeah, very good. Yeah. We, had, we had them on tour with us back in 1979. Wow. In, in England, yeah. They, wow. Wow. Uh, Lemmy's the name of the uh, documentary. Where Where can you find it? Um, I don't know, man. It's being shown still, so I don't know if you can get it to buy it, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you can't on demand or something like that. I'd be able to download it or something, I guess. By the way, that, that is, that's rock and roll, by the way, where you go, where do we find your documentary? And he goes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the film guys are doing all the distribution. No, I understand, but I'm just I'm saying. I'm looking up to my end of the shit, you know. It's rock and roll. And is it follows you on, on tour? No. The doc? No. What's... Uh, What's the topic other than you? It won a prize in Chile. Oh, really? <laughs> the, the Chil- Isn't the, the, that great? Yeah. Did they give you a trophy? No, no. No? I think you they should might take have given that the guys with... that made it a trophy. Oh. Uh-huh. You, you should get a... That's uh, usual either way, isn't it? You should still get one. <clears throat> yeah, still it was okay, you know. I mean, I did enough to leave the theater before the lights came up. You know, they, it wasn't did, too embarrassing. Did they... Did they? So tell us... Uh, I'm curious, and we'll get into the music in a second, but it's not about going out on tour no it's about you there's there's bits of it on tour because i do that you know but like, right it's about me where i live what i do you know stuff like that mm-hmm. a lot of nice people saying i'm a great guy and all that it's sure quite embarrassing that way but i can stand it if they can <laughs> and you go to lemmymovie.com oh you go to lemmymovie.com that's right uh the world world tour i should say uh kicks off in march by the way a uh, North American tour starts in uh, January, end of January 25th at the uh, Anaheim House of Blues. I think we have some tickets to give away, by the way, if you want to uh, check out Motorhead. I've not uh, figured out how we're going to give those away. <laughs> I don't like all that shit, Rego. Uh, you know what's the dumbest thing in the world? Like, hey, we're on 106.7, so the 106 caller is going to get a ticket. I swear to God, I used to work for K-Rock. And when I was on K-Rock, they were 106.7. And... They have rules in radio, and especially rules pertaining to giveaways. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what you're giving away. You have to follow the rules. So they'd go, well, uh, 106.7 K-Rock, let's have the 106th caller win herself tickets to go see uh, mm, No Doubt. So they just go that thing. And I'd see the poor operator, and the guy would be seeing it. I'd go, you're number 11. 
You're number 12. <laughs> I you're, did that you're for two <laughs> years. You're number 13. Thank you for calling K-Rock. You're number 14. Hang on. Thank you for calling K-Rock. You're number 15. Thank you for And I'm like, just give it away to fucking call number three, you idiots. Why does Paul <laughs> Bryan have to sit there and, and miss out on that branding opportunity? The, well, uh, yeah, or, or just number five. We are given very specific instructions to get to count out 100, point, uh, 100 through 106. How many times did I tell you how stupid radio people are? Literally, I would go, I'd see the poor guy sitting there. You're number 18, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to K-Rock, you're number 19. Sorry, I'd go to the bathroom, go outside, smoke a cigarette, jerk off a hobo, got stopped by a vending machine, really? drink a beer in a park with the same hobo in a refractory period, come back upstairs, like, you're calling number 89, you're calling number 90, you're calling number 91, and I'm like, God. just make a fucking caller number five. Brian, that's what you did, right? Yeah, usually they do caller 20, but for the big ones, like, you know, for the for No Doubt at the Greek or whatever, they would do 100 and caller 106.7. By the way, how are you caller 106.7? I don't know, but maybe, maybe that's how you, got, you got an illegitimate child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just coming out. You're missing maybe, an arm. Maybe that's how you got your brain tumor. You ever think about that? Ooh, those ba- Can I sitting sue? There with this, sitting on that phone. Counting. Just counting to 106 and just rolling Point through seven. everyone. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. I think we'll give uh, the tickets away to the people that were on uh, hold with the uh, made-up movie. Uh, the new album, uh, by the way, The World is Yours. Uh, I think we have a song to play from that. Let me know what song we're going to play from the new album. Uh, no clue. Number 10, Bye Bye Bitch. That's there rock. you go. That's a good song. That's rock and roll. All right. Let's hear a little Bye Bye Bitch from Lemmy and Motorhead. Wow. Yeah, here it comes. Do you need to set up the song? Just kidding. Maybe you should. (laughs) Bye Bye Bitch. Now, what is that song about, Lemmy? (laughs) It's about an old man who's a fisherman. Oh, here it is. Sorry, Lemmy. There we go. There you go. Typical motorhead stuff. (laughs) Late starting. They're bringing Michael Bublé out with them, by the way, next time.
Last song on the album, too. Yeah. Normally, that's where you bury the stinkers. I was going to say bye-bye. Oh, I guess so. Oh, oh we're the bitch. Us, calling us the bitch. Oh, Lenny. Hey, if, if it fits. I thought we had something here. So, Lemmy, you are rumored to have been with many, many, many women. Is this true? Yeah. <laughs> Guys many, don't ma- deny it. As many as I could get. Do you have a Do you have a tally? No. No, Gene Simmons. <laughs> I was thinking of Tally Ho. That's essentially <laughs> what it would be. Like that's it, yeah. what it would be. Like oh, a yeah. Ho, you're his, ta- his ho tally. A ho tally would be a tally ho. Yes, as they say in your in your in your land. Tally I mean, I read that good. it was in the thousands. No, I said a thousand about. When you think about it, I'm 65. Damn, I've never been married. Mm-hmm. Started doing it when I was what 16. So mm-hmm. you work it out. It's not that many a thousand. Yeah, that yeah, still seems like a lot. Yeah. Can you name everyone? About one of we- oh no, God no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, and when I'm you're, in a, a, you're let's not be silly about this. <laughs> right now. Yeah, see, I would have thought his mistress was a C. I didn't know it was actually I women. I know that there are a lot of girls out there who don't remember me either. Mm, they would uh, remember you. I bet there's ah, a lot of women who before. would remember you. Oh, before, before Motorhead. Yeah, before. You know. oh, before right. Hawkwind. So, yeah, I'm, sure I'm sure the women that you were with when you were in Hawkwind would remember that. No, the women I was with in Hawkwind were mostly on acid. They wouldn't probably remember who they were. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. That was the roofie of the uh, late 60s, early <laughs> 70s. Yeah, that was the raison d'etre, yes. The, the, the point is, a lot of these chicks are fucked up. And they're they? at a concert. Well, no, I don't mean emotionally. Do I just know? mean they're drunk. That's why they're going in the Motorhead How tour bus. I know Maybe they just really work. like Lemmy. Girls don't go to Motorhead concerts. We get guys to go to Motorhead concerts mostly. Oh, really? So then, where so where do you meet all these ladies? Wow. I find them. Look at you this. Find, are, you on, are you doing online dating? Who's, I'm looking at a picture of a no, chick on stage. Is that one of your concerts? No, that was uh, the girl with Hawkwind. She was our dancer. Wow. Look at those jugs. <laughs> 52 inches. Really? Yeah, six foot two in those socks. You had, uh, those are high socks. You had a uh, huge, naked, breasted woman dancing on stage when, yes. you, when you played? Yes, we did. Did you have sex with her? No. Why not? That's the one that got, or the two that got away. She didn't Actually get got, away. Uh-oh, oh, okay. I shared a room with her for two tours, a hotel room. She was really funny. Wow. She'd go and get like two... Little boys out the audience, you know, like fluffing at the mouth and bringing them back, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> while you guys, birthday, your young fans, yeah. while you guys were playing, there would be a b- big busted six-two woman up on stage dancing. That's that's what we're looking at. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Kind of just off camera to the right there. Yeah, why'd you get out of that band? <laughs> what I was stage? fired. Oh, you were yeah. fired for for playing. Seems, with the seemed motor? a good time to leave. You know? <laughs> How do you get fired? Oh, it's a long story. You don't want to know. Really? Was it? it was, what? Drugs, right? Drugs? Suffice it to say, no, it wasn't. I was fired in Canada. Mm. I mean, in on tour? Yeah. Fired you on tour? Huh? They, they're, you're in the middle of a tour and they shit-canned you? Yeah. What the hell? Tell you, man, I'm just... The world is full of little injustices, and that is only one of them. So you're like, all right, mates, I thought we were friends. Now I'm going back to the UK. And, and I screwed start- three of their old ladies. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. See, well, there's three. At least three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. There. Yeah. I must admit, I was screwing with them already. 
Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's what. That's but what I mean, I, I don't know what's wrong oh, with screwing. I, I don't know what the stigma is about it over here. I mean, if you think about it, they give you a medal for bombing people. I mean, hardly the worst thing to do is to give a person an orgasm, is it? Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? I don't see what's wrong with it myself. Do you not believe in monogamy? Oh, no. God, no. What, what for? I mean, that, that was when the Indians were out there, wasn't it? You know. You had to stay in the cabin, right? Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. No, 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 no. No, it's hardly, the more you know. It's well, not very modern, the marriage concept. Especially if you travel. If you want to be with somebody, you'll stay with them anyway. You don't have to be married. You know, you don't need a contract from the government to say you're married to somebody. Hmm. I need you to talk to my wife because I was, I was explaining to her that cheating for a man is not what it is for a woman. That's and, right. And, and you see it's women... opportunity. Well, everything's every every everything sees everything through the prism that they see their light through. Meaning, you want to let me to explain this to your wife? Yes, let me. And he just come back. I go down. I go downstairs to get let me a beer, and he's fucking my wife upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just explaining to her. Yeah. We're gonna discuss. And I, she's like, "Oh, I see now. Not a, oh, demo- see. Not so a demonstration. No, okay. <laughs> let me. I said, no. You misunderstood, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Mister. <laughs> Pink uh, sword has come to town. Oh, no. no, I I said that the bacon torpedo. Yes. Here's what I said. <laughs> I the said clarinet. When, when oh, you I. when you look at certain things a certain way, it's hard to look at it a different way. Like if there's a food that you really enjoy, you know, I I love a breakfast burrito. And if you've never had a breakfast burrito, I'm going to say you're going to love a breakfast burrito. You love it. why? Because I love it. And I, I, I've tasted exactly. it. And That's I what Lemmy calls sex in the morning. I see it. I see it that way, the breakfast burrito. Yeah, when he nails the maid, he calls <laughs> right. it the breakfast burrito. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Out here in SoCal. Sometimes yeah. they even look that way. Yeah. The point is, when women think about cheating... They don't see it through the eyes and penis of a male. Right. They see it what what it would be for them, which is like emotional commitment. We're losing potentially falling in love with someone else on the road. Opportunity. The basic difference is emotions, isn't it? Right. Guys don't give a shit. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to a guy. But women. It's very hard for us to understand how that can even be because women who can have sex and have it not mean anything, like it's, it's you have to like really try hard to achieve that and it doesn't work very well right <coughs> I, I well was... I've, I've known a couple of girls that worked really well for but they were in a minority I'll give you that yeah yeah what color were they the point is this I think the bar I was saying to my wife again, mostly black actually. maybe maybe I was just being maybe, maybe I was just uh, you know um, tilling the soil for cheating down the road but I said <laughs> I, I think the bar is set too high and for modern man like this I this notion that you know there's no cheating we have to equal parenting. We got to be at every... By the way, my kids go to some... You know, they're four and a half. They go to some school. They don't even know where they're at. They have some sort of Halloween parade where they're dressed up like Spider-Man. And it's noon and it's Tuesday. And there's 18 miserable dads who took the day off work. Like, stay there. Our dads would have been like, fuck you. I'm going to work. Yeah, I'm yeah, right. I'll tell you what. I won't fuck my secretary today, but that's as much as I can promise you. Did a bunch of not get made that day? Yes. The point is... is well, fucking your secretary is like being married anyway, isn't it? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, the, mean, the, the, the point is, I see... If you're going to run around, do it somewhere where you don't eat, you know. Lemmy, you know, instead of uh, Schwimmer and the rest of these guys doing these stupid PSAs, Lemmy from Motorhead should uh, lay down some of his pearls of wisdom. But the point is this. 
between the guy having to be sort of equal parent, like I, I have to spend quality time with the kids. They must know me. I'm going to go to the I'm going to be in the birthing room. I'm going to go to your your lactation classes with you <laughs> and all that. Kind of, I think we're raising the bar too high on dudes. We haven't changed from an evolutionary standpoint. Look at Lemmy. We haven't changed at all. Certainly not in the, the last other one th- doing all the talking. Yeah. And then the last 40 years, we haven't changed. So what are you saying as as this regards to cheating, though? I am saying <clears throat> what I'm saying because my Guys wife. Cheat Do I need to get upset on behalf of your wife? No, no. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the big difference between men and women. Men fuck up, and women plot. Right. The more Hell you have know. no fury. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, revenge when, is a dish a, best served cold. When a woman yeah. cheats, she means. But they never but, forget yeah. it either. You know. Yeah. Once, you know, and I didn't never think, bring it up every time we have an argument, you know. Up it we do, again. we do that, we do that. I yeah, don't, you, do. you know, I'm not saying. And I love women, you know, I brought up by two women. I got no problem with girls, you know, I mean, all, all women, it's all I can talk to any woman in the world, you know. Jeez. I have no problem at all with it, but like, it is a, the, the bar is a bit high, but not for the same reasons. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's just like to expect us to have that amount of emotion that a woman has is unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, no, what is, I don't expect them right. to not care, you know? Right. No, it, what happens, I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what happens. Uh, you know, it's this sort of thing. I come through the door. I left Miami at 2 a.m. Los Angeles time. I stopped over in Houston for an hour and a half. Uh, I got four hours sleep the night before, and I come through the door. I'm exhausted at uh, noon our time. I drop my bags. I, I go upstairs, take a nap, and my wife gets pissed because, like, I didn't make I didn't make a big enough deal about being home with the her. kids and all that kind of stuff. It's like nothing personal. I'm That's exhausted. To a woman, we don't think like you think. All we think is, Ugh, glad to be home. Glad you're home. Now I'm taking a nap. We we don't think the way you right. guys think, and, some, and it doesn't necessarily mean disrespect either. No, it's just you the know, way we really think. Doesn't. These are our ways. Like you guys understand it when you're talking about different cultures. Like oh, that's how they express something, or they belch when it's a good meal, that's or a good whatever point. it is. Yeah, if it's another culture, it's okay. We res- you guys respect the shit out of that. Yeah. Well, we're another culture, and we want our goddamn respect. Right. And, and all I'm saying is. Something happened with the bar, and the bar got raised too high. It got like there's no extra. It's too fit. long as well, you know. Like, yeah. well, I wish mine had some girth. Because the problem is that there's all this talk, and so we're like, well, we know you're not like that, but if you know that it means something to us, why can't you do that? Well, you the know? problem. The I problem. I understood that either. You know, I mean, I I I've realized for years that it means something different to you, but I mean, I can't see. All the time through your eyes, you know. Our society. We're breaking up, you and me. Our society. Huh? We're breaking up. Yeah. Me. She's not going to be over. your 23rd, 100 delay. Oh, that was the other time, yeah. Right. Oh. The, uh, that was when you went up for those sailors, wasn't it? <laughs> I can't help it. It's they were only in town for a little while. <laughs> it was Fleet Week. I fly a lot. You only have so many hours. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, uh, I, I, I was going to, oh, Jesus Christ, what was I thinking now? I was, I was just thinking about the society that we've formed where like people will interview me and they'll say, uh, Oh, so, you know, you're going out on the road, you're doing comedy, you're making this money, you're writing the books and all that kind of stuff. And then you're taking care of the kids. You're going to the store. I say, I don't do the shopping. My wife does. And they go, well, yeah, but do you ever go to the store? And I go, no. And they go, you don't do any shopping. And I go, no, I make all the money. 
and I'm not going to make all the money and go to the store. And they're like, oh, my goodness. Well, look out, world. We got uh, we got Bobby Riggs here. You know, Archie Bunker. Yeah, we got Archie Bunker. And I'm like, listen, this is not an outlandish thought. I go on the road. I work my ass off. I make a bunch of money. I write a bunch of books. I get paid. And then you go to the supermarket that's how we've structured things. And by the way, that doesn't make me a Neanderthal. I don't mind going pig. to the supermarket, but I ain't changing the baby. Right. Well, you go to the supermarket. I change store, it for though. another you go one. To get pussy. Change it for a clean one, mate. Right. <laughs> you go there and cruise. <laughs> let me. Uh, well, Lemon said let me had to leave five minutes ago in five minutes. So I'm no one. Uh, five minutes ago in five minutes. It's, where you got to be, Lemon? Where are you going? Yep. Because you haven't been late in uh, 35 minutes now. What's going on? No, it's been almost two hours now. Holy shit! Wow. Let I mean, me. I have to watch my health, you know. I mean, I have to keep it up. Maybe uh, that's how he stays so young looking. I would say, by the way, you know, all the drinking, all the smoking, all the whatever you want to do, if you just fuck a stranger twice a week, you'd go on to 150. You know why? You, your, your cock wouldn't let you die. You'd be like, what about this? You got a heart condition. Bullshit. Let's keep this party going. Do it for me. Get some blood in me right now. You're so lucky I'm flaccid right now. I would kick the shit out of your balls. Let's go. There's a movie. If they did a study. There's a movie right there. If they did a study of guys. What would you call it? Dickie and the Argonauts. Yes. First off, there would be none of these Safeway uh, massacres or anything. If that fucking guy got laid once in a while, there'd be none of that. If you if you nailed two strange women a week, I bet you would add 13 years to your average life. And there'd be zero suicides. And and none of these. Uh, hey, I'm going to. Might be uh, more female suicides. Yeah. That's a good point. The wife would probably get pissed. Motorhead, by the way. I don't understand why women look down on chicks with large breasts either. What, what is that? Oh, they're jealous. You know, uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's what it is myself. Cause like, well, it depends. Like, are they letting I mean, them hang out and really flop around? Out, you know? And are they putting them in your face? Because we're down. not into that. But, like, the knives really come out, you know. Like, certain kind of women aren't approved of by other women, you know. It's really funny to oh, watch Oh, it's not sometimes. just big-breasted. I've, I've always, all sorts of things that I've we don't like. I've always said to girls, you know, I'm not your enemy. Guys are not your enemy. Other women are your enemy. That's, That's right. True. The more you know. Like, come on, Brian, wake <laughs> up. <laughs> the world like tour the world. kicks off in March, and uh, they're going to be playing at the House of Blues uh, out here well, in, Anah- in January, Anaheim. Yeah, January 25th. Yes. Also, you can see the documentary at uh, Where Bald Brian? Lemmymovie.com. Lemmymovie.com. Motorhead. 36 years. Still going strong. Lemmy, always great to see you, buddy. Thank you. And until next time, this is Adam Carolla for Bald Brian. Saying aloha. Oh, that's pretty close. (laughs) And Allison, say mahalo, but it's the same thing. How would I know? I don't speak Hawaiian. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know. It's hard work out there, owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to GEICO.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at GEICO. That is GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. And that was... Legendary rock and roller Lemmy from January of 2011. I remember he he was probably the only guest that really had a just a request for us, like almost like a writer. And it was just, I want whiskey. Make sure there's whiskey right. there. And we went out, bought whiskey because we don't have whiskey for everybody. 
Um, now you kind of do, though, right? Now we kind of do, uh, especially like the A18 Rye. But really, uh-huh. people dr- really drink leftovers. on our show. Yeah, and Dan Dunn's leftovers. But really, does anybody really ask for a drink? The the two that really come to mind is Lemmy asked for whiskey, and and Seth MacFarlane liked to have a little whiskey when he came in. So that's part of his uh, mystique. And, of course, Tom Sizemore needed the baby powder. That's right. I don't know what you're talking about. It was just baby powder. <laughs> All right. We have one more We have one more clip for everybody. This is from 2017. We're going to jump ahead so we can play a little Rotten Tomatoes game. Adam Carolla Show 2194. Bill Zanker, Gina Grad, Brian Bishop. November of 2017. Rotten Tomatoes game 116. All right. Let's play the game. And uh, this round of the Rotten Tomatoes game is a underwear-themed movie round. Mm, okay. Uh, and brought to you by Tommy John. Remember, use code Adam at TommyJohn.com for 20% off. Her first movie. Starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. It's about sex and stuff, I guess. Secret societies. Indeed. Oh. Yeah. Nicole Kidman's in her underwear. 1999's Eyes Wide Shut. Stanley Kubrick's final film. I'm one of the few people who never saw this movie. Oh. You're not that few. I haven't seen it either. Uh, what? You know why you have to I'm see this shocked. movie? For a movie that was not widely seen or as popular as we'd like, it gets referenced a lot. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's a oh, eyes wide shut party or whatever Iconic it is. Orgy. Yeah. So people use it as a as a reference. What did I, I hope, man, iconic, I hope Adam stepped on that. Iconic It was orgy. an iconic orgy yes. scene. Yes. It was so, a what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so you have to see it because people reference it right. a lot. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe you it's never saw it, People like it. They didn't love it, but some people did. I think this was a very divisive, or as it's say on MSNBC, divisive. <laughs> so, um, but his last, but did they know it was his last? He died before it came out. Oh, yeah. okay. finished. Okay, good. And remember the, the famous trailer so they got, with, they, yeah, with yeah. just the one piano note the whole time? Very yes. stressful. They got to give a little love to him because yeah. he yeah. died. I mean, come on, this is tough. He's critical darling. So for that, I'm going to add on, I would say, this could be in the high 50s, mid 60s, but they got to tack on a little bit because Kubrick... 79. 82. 83. Eyes Wide Shut is certified fresh at 74%. Ooh, wow. 73 of the people. All right. Next up, on the run from a bank robbery, left several police officers dead. George Clooney and uh, some other guy wind up at a place uh, where vampires lived. Huh? Oh, yeah. Quentin Tarantino's the other guy. There we Ooh. go. <laughs> And the movie, <laughs> Selma Hayek is in her underwear mm-hmm. in 1996's From Dusk Till Dawn. I love this movie. God about this movie. It's a fun movie. It's a really fun is movie. Is it Rose McGowan in this? No. Oh, what's Sadly. that? Sadly. 
Uh, you're thinking of the terrible movie. Till Sunset or something? No, no. You're you're thinking of the Jorge Esperanza, whatever the stupid perhaps, dude, perhaps. the Mexican director guy does all that. Oh, Rob uh, Rodriguez? Uh, rugged Town or whatever. The stupid. All Everyone's smoking and it's raining all the time. And that's a Rose. Oh, no. The Rose McGowan. Death. Death, death trap. She was, no, she was it's, in, it's not. It, death proof. That's whatever. one of them. But the, uh, I guess that different. All right. Anyway, anyway it doesn't matter. All right, Selma's He's wearing a zombie. bikini, by the way. <laughs> Look, it counts as underpants, but it'll work. I don't mind looking at it. I don't mind looking at it either. Uh, Great. Her name is uh, like Santangelo Pandemonium or something Excuse like that. Excuse me? That's Planet like Terror, so says Gary. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to say this movie's a fun movie. This yes? This is a very fun movie. This was right off of Pulp Fiction. This was his next project, like the next thing he was in. So he was, it's, yeah, he was hot. It's fun, and I don't know. I don't know. And it's also, it's kind of like, hey, it's a fun genre and stuff like that. I don't know if I could find a problem with it. But also, it's not going to be, you know, critics aren't going to love it. But it was fun, the Latin flavor and everything. Yep. I'm going to say 82. Hmm. I'm very close. It's a fun movie, but I think uh, it threw off a lot of critics. Uh, 77. I don't, I never saw it. I don't know much about it. I said 68. From Dust Till Dawn is fresh. It's 64%. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Gina's right. Too much violence. Mm-hmm. Also, or something. It, I don't know how well you remember this movie, but it starts off like like the two brothers are on the run. They're on the mm-hmm. road. It's kind of a hardcore, like like almost like a crime yeah, thriller. Yeah, then it turns then into then it turns something into this else. silly, you know, very over-the-top uh, vampire special effects movie. Like Still. two movies in one. I loved it. It was fun. Well, that was fun. But, yeah. All right. By the way, I don't know if anyone remembers this. The movie I was thinking of was called The Doom Generation. That's the first thing I ever yeah, saw her as in. A anyway. Old cut. All right. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. I may have been in that movie. What? What? 94, I think? Yeah. Well, look it up. Oh, please do. There was a guy. There was an Asian guy who made those little art housey right. Kevin Smith-esque films. And I was in one of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. What's the Greg Araki is it? Greg Araki. Oh, were you in this? I could have been. Amazing. <laughs> and I, I'm not being flippant. I'm saying I I, I I was in something like it. You're not on the IMDb. Oh. What? And then I'm in the next Greg Araki film. <laughs> let's let's only do those in Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> All right, sorry. Go ahead. All right, next up uh, takes place in deep space. Sigourney Reaver gets. Mm. Uh, Take oh, out of yes. yeah. cryosleep capsule halfway through their journey because of a distress call. She's distressed in her panties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she is. Okay. In 1979's <laughs> Alien. All right. We got to stop the show for this. Uh, look, this, I a, this, this is a great movie. Uh, critics had to love this movie. But now, what was it? Was it 96%? Was it 89%? I always use this as an example of two things. Perfect movies, movies that can't be improved in any way. And number two, movies that hold up. This is 1979, oh. and this will give you sweaty palms. You watch it today. Okay. Time. Yeah, it will. 97, and a female mm-hmm. hero. 97%. Uh, no, you're probably right. I said 96. I also said 96 Alien is certified fresh at 97%. And needed that five-point deduction after that uh, last one. Wow. What a great movie. We're getting close here. Next up, uh, Jason Biggs is watching Shannon Elizabeth in her underwear um, in the next room, I guess. A movie I haven't seen. (laughs) 
She's 1999's, in yeah, something like that. He's watching her on a computer. Yeah, that's right. And it's weird because she's right there, but it's on a computer. Oh, my God, Gary. Find her Russian accent. It's you want to hear some acting. Really good. What Greg Araki film was I in? Splendor from 1999. Oh, there you go. I knew I'd worked with the man. I worked with so many fine directors over the years, I can't remember them all. So Shannon Elizabeth was in her underwear in 1999's American Pie. At the time I saw it, it was so exciting to see a chick nude. I didn't even think about her accent, but her accent... Spot on. Yes. This is spot on. <laughs> okay, American Pie. Everyone liked this film, this but it's a phenomenon. A, it's a, it's a phenomenon. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's a phenomenon. And the critics, whatever, it wasn't really that funny. It just had a bunch of weird scenes in it. Uh, but did the off. critics go along with it? It was a kind of a, it was a first in a big trend of gross out comedies. Yeah. Right? Yes, it brought back the whole Porky's thing. I don't think the critics loved it, but it wasn't it was a fine film. It had like some laughs and things in it. Jeez, but this is one's going to be tough. All right. I say rotten at 54. Oh, damn, I went the other way. This could separate the men from the boys. Is it 80? I said 79. Hmm, American Pie is fresh, mm. but it's 60. Mm. Ah, crap. Right at 60. So that was a case of I picked uh, fr- uh, rotten. rotten. You guys picked fresh, but I was only five or six off or whatever. I squeaked into the lead here. I think I did. Let's do this. It's tight. Right. Next up. Uh, wonderful underwear scene with Denise Denise Richards when teen debutante Kelly played by Denise Denise Richards fails to attract the attention of her hunky guidance counselor Matt Dillon comes in uh, he was him he was the person she cries rape and there's a scandal that uh, results in his arrest in 1998's Wild Things oh this was Nev Campbell famous recent oh, scene so where creepy. Nev refused to get naked Oh, she did. Unfortunately. Yeah. This is... uh, Do you remember this movie? I I, I remember. I I remember porn had been invented. And so I was like, why do I I need to watch this? Has Matt Dillon ever looked like he's been up to any good? No. He's never been... Or that he's going to be a super positive influence (laughs) on those around him? My God. He's always a bad influence. Okay. This, this is a very is awkward threesome scene because Denise Richards clearly had no problem getting naked, but Nev Campbell clearly did. And so <laughs> she's very obscured to the camera wearing like clothes. But Denise Richards is like, here we go. It's very strange. Mary, please find some stills. Um, the movie, Mr. I think people liked this movie. That was interesting or something. It got a lot of buzz. Maybe it's just because there was like a lesbian scene or whatever, but it was a big deal. But, but it wasn't like, oh, this is junk. But for this scene, it had some stuff to it i never saw it it's gonna to be tough i'm gonna to say that the critics i don't think this is in the 30s it's not in the 80s i gotta protect a little lead here i'm gonna have it at 60 wow damn it i'm too close to you 55 this is actually not that bad of a movie 49 wild things is fresh at 64 mm. nail in the coffin yeah all right. You have the accent, uh, by the way. Oh, from American Pie. American Pie, sorry. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I know. I'm working on it. All right. James, you're very good in the world history class. Yes. Me? Yeah. Yes. No. Uh. Yes, I am. Perhaps you could help me with my studies. Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. That 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 would be that would be uh, great. Sometime. How about tomorrow? Well, I have ballet practice. Perhaps um, I could come by your house afterwards? 
I could change clothes at your place. Uh, yeah, of, of, I suppose that would be okay. Her dialogue coach hung himself shortly after the movie. <laughs> Where is she supposed to be from? Yeah, IKEA. Yeah, and and when they discovered the, phone. <laughs> when they discovered the dialogue coach's body, the two guys that walked in were like, "Hey." Bob hung himself. I'm not buying it. I don't believe <laughs> it's not convincing. it. He's, he's, he's rigor mortis said it. He's crapped himself. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, there's a stench of death in the air. I don't believe it. Yeah, it's just not buying it. I just don't believe it. Yeah. I'm just not buying it. Yeah. He's from Slovakia in the movie. So, okay. There it is. All right. All right. It's over with. Yeah. All right. So it was a runaway win, but a big battle for second place. Oh. Mm. First loser. <laughs> I will say that Gina. Is in second place with 48. Oh, that's shocking. A 51 score put up by Bald Brian. Adam Carolla with the win, 28. Mm, nice, uh, good, strong efforts all the way around. All right. Life Lock. Summer travel's a great way to disconnect, but sometimes you need to connect to the public Wi-Fi, to check your email or post photos, to social media. Cyber criminals can spy on unsecured public Wi-Fi networks and see your browsing history. Emails, even passwords. Every day, we put our info at risk on the Internet. In an instant, cyber criminals could steal what's yours and harm your finances and your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert and access to a dedicated restoration specialist if you become a victim. It's LifeLock, right, Dawson? Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by using promo code ADAM. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com and use promo code ADAM for 25% off. And that was a Rotten Tomatoes game from 2017. And that'll do it for Corolla Classics. Stick around. We'll be back tomorrow with more classic clips. My name's Chris Loxamana. That's Super Fan Giovanni. Follow and get on. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning renting you want to save some money how about your bundle bundle your policies at geico geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you got so much to do already go to geico.com get a quote see just how much you could save at geico that is geico.com today that's geico.com pluto tv is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Another day. Another unknown. 
It could bring your biggest order yet, or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Get started with a great offer from Comcast Business. And for a limited time, ask how to get a $650 prepaid card with a qualifying bundle when you buy online. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go to comcastbusiness.com to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 9-21-21. Call or go online for details.